Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Knock it off. Are you working? Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Talking heads. Okay. So, now it's working, right, folks? I just realized I don't have a new cable. Oop, I'll be right back. Because, of course, every decent cable, USB cable I've got of any length is USB-C. And this thing takes a USB-B or, you know, micro-C as opposed to micro-whatever was previous to that. And I, do, I have adapters that'll turn uh, an old one into a C, but not the other way around. So, actually, I can't change out this cable that was weird, though. Twice in a freaking row. I keep putting it off, is what I was saying when you couldn't hear me earlier. And I know I shouldn't. I know I, did, I need to replace this cable because it just keeps failing and everything else has been ruled out. But I just keep hoping that if I bury my head in the sand long enough, it'll just be fine. And clearly, clearly, that is not the case. So hello, everybody. Uh, and now we got our one, our one technical difficulty out of the way. So from now on... Everything will be smooth sailing as long as I don't reach into my pocket again when my phone beeps at me and bah, blind myself because I just did it a second ago and the uh, the light was on. And geez, this is a bright light when you look directly into it. It's like this. And actually, I've now given myself sunspots. I shouldn't have done that just for comedic effect. But okay, so that's two. Although three, because I just duplicated my first one a second time on camera. But uh, hopefully the sound will go. And folks, you know what to do. If the sound cuts out, uh, scroll down below the video and there's the stickers uh, plug-in. And uh, if my sound just drops, find the bomb and start dropping lots of bombs in my ear. So that I know that I've got to stop and rewind a little bit and fix the microphone again. Ah, Oh my gosh. And I can't believe it. I, okay, I was finally... I, I knew the cable I was going to use, but it's a USB-C, and this thing is a USB whatever is... Uh, all right, I'm repeating myself now. That's not what we're here to do. You're not here to watch me repeat myself. You're here to watch me, first of all, while waiting for people to show up. We're going to unbox something, folks. And then I'm going to film the monthly uh, roundup, talking about 17 games. And then we'll do some Q&A afterwards. That is the plan for today. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully you will not fail me again, Mike. But you folks get to decide which of these games I'm going to unbox. We've got the Guild of Merchant Explorers. I just checked. There are no videos of this anywhere. There's... um. Uh, you can download the rules on Board Game Geek, and I think there's a couple of screenshots. Here's a closer look. It's from, oh, uh, Matt Dudson and Brett Gilbert, a great design duo, and it's some kind of exploring thing. Then there is Fear and Stone from Klaus Jürgen Verda, the, uh, or Mr. Carcassonne himself. This is another big board all about exploring and finding stuff. And then there is Yak. Jeez Louise, this box is ridiculously heavy because it's got huge, big, chunky components of these Yaks that are moving. I think it's like a mobile rondelle or something like that with the rise of the fog or something. So... Um, I'm going to unbox one of them, maybe two, depending on how long it takes. But you folks, 
you folks are going to decide uh, which ones would be. This is not the R&R show. This is the overhead I should have been showing you. Back, and that's not that. That's you. Oh my gosh, I am just falling apart. I can't be counted on to do anything correctly now. All right. Can I make a poll? Yes, I can. Uh, unboxy boxiness time. Alrighty, Yak. Guild of Merchant Explorers. Uh, EXPs, because the you have to keep them very short. And what was the other one? Oh, Fire and Stone. Okay, folks, you have three minutes to pick one of these. Maybe two, depending on how much stuff is in there. So I, I think some of these are actually fairly simple. So at the at very least, I'm going to do one of them, maybe two of them. So you might just be choosing, which one am I not going to open today? Uh, and uh, Cheap Sheep Game says, how about option four? All three! But then that would defeat the purpose of the voting. I need to give you the... We need to have audience participation, of course. Alrighty. Oh, I'm covering myself up. That's a... Oh, because I moved this so that Ruel's face wouldn't be covered up. Ah, it's fine. You know what I look like. Um, right, so the voting continues. I guess I can just get down here. Hello. Hi, everybody. Can you still hear me? I hope you can. Um... Oh, let's just relax for a bit. While you folks pick your poison, how's it going? Uh, let's see here. I'll put my one vote in. And uh, it looks like it's close between Guild of Merchant Explorers and Yak. Fire and Stone not getting as much love. Alrighty, Yak again. The uh, big, big game components in this game. You can kind of see over there. Merchant of Guild Explorers and Fire and Stone, both a little bit less ambitious, a bit more traditional Euro-y type fare. I did, when I unbox, I actually spent a little bit of time this morning learning a bit about each of these so I could try to do an informed unboxing instead of, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Well, that's neat looking. So, you'll try, uh, hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit of an intro to what the games are also, if I can remember. Because the main thing I was trying to stuff into my head is all the games I have to talk through in the roundup today. Because I play a lot of games, and they get mixed up in my head. I don't know if you've noticed, folks. I'm a bit of a scatterbrain from time to time. How did I give myself this job that I have to keep hundreds of games in my head at all times? Okay, Merchant... Uh, wow! Uh, by pretty big lead, 50%. Put, put Guild of Merchant Explorers above all else. Yak, number two. Fire and Stone, number three. All righty. Well, um, and I was one of the voters for Fire and Stone. All right. Um, because it's from Carcassonne! It's the Carcassonne man! But anyway, uh, Pegasus, uh, I'll get to you in the future. Let's see. And let's open up the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Boop! All right. Arrgh. Give me... I have no fingernails. I have this habit of not chewing my fingernails, but just kind of peeling them off and throwing them away. So they're always very ragged and very short. Uh, um, mm. I really should just clip them like a grown-up. Like a grown-up 52-year-old man that I am. But nope, I still act like a child. There we go. Here we go. Okay, what do we got in the Guild of Merchant Explorers from publisher AEG? Explore the land, discover new areas and old ruins, reconnect the kingdom of Tagome. The queen 
has sent out a call to the Guild of Merchant Explorers asking brave adventurers to voyage to all corners of the kingdom. While the kingdom is flourishing, its maps have not been updated in quite some time, and its great cities have lost contact with one another. Oh no. Uh, with your team of explorers, you will journey over rough seas, towering mountains, vast deserts, and lush grasslands to establish trade routes between cities and discover new villages that have emerged. And now here's the deal, folks. From what I saw of this, what, a little bit of reading I did this morning, this kind of gives me the vibe of AEG's answer and um, Matt Dunstan and Brett Gilbert's answer to Kingdom Builder. It has kind of a uh, kind of a reverse Kingdom Builder vibe going on. So let's see. What do we got going on here? We've got... There went the box cover. A rule book. AEG, I tend to think, does a very good job with rule books, by and large. I have not read this, but it uh, looks pretty straightforward. Not too terribly long. The most accomplished uh, explorers can record their achievements here. Does anybody ever do this? I know for a while, um, what was his name? Friedman Freeze would, um, you know, in the rule book, put on the back, hey, here's a bunch of things you could try to do and mark your achievements. And I don't know. I mean, does I mean, is anybody actually write in their rule books? That seems crazy to me, unless it's a, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, a legacy game. All right. So, oh, this is interesting. So these are the player boards. They are not cardboard. They um, they are floppy. I love that floppy sound. And um, but they are. Oh, what do you call it? Um, the the linen finish. They've got a linen finish on. So they 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 have a nice feel to them. They feel like just very very big playing cards. Personally, I know some people will hate that. Some people, but I like. Um, I I prefer cardstock player boards to actual boards because from all my years living in Malta um, actual player boards tend to warp whereas cardstock I've always found tend to lie flat especially I guess if they're linen finished like this all right so these are apparently at least two-sided they've got two different kingdoms to explore oh but wait here's another kingdom and another kingdom looks like ever looks like there are enough of these boards for everybody and yep four different kingdoms to explore so you get a little bit of variety with all of that, let's go ahead and zoom in real close. Do I need to focus? There we go. I, th I don't know if that was focused or not. But here's what you're playing on. That's what you're exploring. So obviously it'd be a central board. That is a board. Uh, keeping track of the different cards. Because I know there's ages 1, 2, and 3. And I guess this must be a discard pile. Okay. Lot of punch boards. Lots of coins, coins, coins. And uh, little things to mark, no doubt, when you build villages, I think, probably. These look like little tiny treasure chests that you can punch out. And little tiny gems. Okay. And the bits. The bits. Alright, so it looks like we've got some little towers you can build. And each player has a set of stuff they can do. Wah! Bunch of cubes. Looks like these are little cities that you put um, to mark. And then, of course, there were the towers that you get to mark on your boards. All right. So we've got all of that business. Oh, don't lose them. Don't lose them. Put them back in the box. And finally, the cards themselves. And don't worry, folks. I'm actually going to explain what I understand this game to be after I'm done opening everything. So, yeah. These. Right. So there are special All right. Ah! Oh, these are slippery. Alright, so it looks like there's a bunch of treasures we can find as we explore. Although, it looks less like treasures and more like special powers. Yep, yeah. Okay, yeah, so these are scoring cards that we can get as we explore. 
uh, you know, money based on how many towers we've got, put extra cubes down, various and hundred things. These are the explore cards. And as I recall, what happens, this is why I said this kind of has a kingdom builder vibe, because every round, everybody's got their board in front of them. Everybody's got all their pieces. Everybody's got their starting capital that they're going to spread out. And we draw a card, and the card says, everybody do this. And then next round, everybody do that. And then next round, oh, there's another one, because I haven't actually shuffled these. And next round, everybody do this. And then next round, everybody do one of these. And so on. So this deck, of course, is all shuffled up. And um, we are taking these directions and spreading out different directions. Crossing the sea, um, you know, reaching towers, connecting capitals, doing objectives and whatnot. And so over the course of the game, oh, let's do the one that says uh, go in a straight line. I go one, two, and hey, I've made it to the other side, but I have to, I can't do it quite enough. Uh, but then later on, if we get another water one, I could this time do a one, two, three, because I think the water is three straight in a line. So you have to uh, make choices. And I believe this, like Kingdom Builder, is a game where you leave your options open. You try to branch out so you have a lot of different things you can do every time one of these cards comes up. And and you are trying your best to explore the world, complete objectives, and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah. So, that's the Guild of Merchant Explorers from AEG. Um, you know, I wonder, I bet you... Well, first of all, I am confident the game will be good. Because, um, I want to say Gilbert and Sullivan, but that's not it. Uh, Rosencrantz and Gildenskern. No. Um... Gilbert and Dunstan. These two are fantastic whenever they work together. So I expect a good game, maybe at the same kind of, you know, depth level of a, uh, what do you call it? Oh, wait. Oh, hey, here's a whole bunch more cards. Let's look at these. I've been thinking of the depth level of uh, Tiny Towns kind of a thing. But again, I like that. King I love Kingdom Builder. I love the fact that, yeah, it's just one card every turn. And some people say, oh, that means it tells you what to do and you can't make any choices. I'm like, no, you definitely make choices. The challenge is working within those constraints. Looks like these are a bunch of cards maybe in different player colors. No, there wasn't a purple player color. All right, so uh, these are, it looks like various and sundry objectives you're trying to chase after while being smart about how you expand around in the world. Okay. So, that is the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Boom! And uh, well, how are we doing here? All right, I need to close you. And I need... Okay, yep, all right. Hey, we haven't... Um, all right, we, we don't need to get started yet. Still only 37 folks. So, one more unboxing. It's the big yak time. Wah! Alrighty, build higher, higher and higher. Your local elder gave you the task of constructing great stone towers to help traveling merchants and their yaks find your village in, in the Himalayas. Each player strategically builds their stone tower by trading food to specific merchants for stones. However, the dense fog of this region might disorient the yaks and ruin your construction plans. Work through the fog and the strategy of your opponents to build your way to victory. Okay, let's do that. I'm not actually going to do that. We're just going to look at how you would do that. Yak. Okay, Michael Liu, what do you got for us? And Pretzel Games. We, of course, have a rule book. A very short rule book. Because Pretzel Games focuses on making really simple, quick, fun, family, uh, gateway-level games. Oh, we've got to make the Himalayas. All right, so I don't know how this punches out, how these work together. I think there's probably something that holds all this together. And I know these... Oh, oh, here's a picture. 
Oh, okay, so, oh, all right, so these fold up, and I see, there we go. So, we have a tile holder over here on one side, right next to the Himalayas. I don't know. Do unboxings, is it, do people expect me to actually put the stuff together? I would think so. So, here's our thing that holds the little um, fog tiles, or the uh, fog cubes, I believe they are. These are the things that you decorate your yak carts with, so let's grab a couple of those. Looks like we make a, probably a first player marker thing there. Put the rest off to the side. Let's go to the board. Very, very colorful. Absolutely lovely looking. Ah, there we go. So, this is the road and the bridge that the yaks walk around on. Each player sits in front of one side, and so every round, the yaks are going to come around. And I can see, oh, here's where the yaks are. The next, last, last round, this round, they're going to move over here, and I'm going to get access to this stuff in front of me. And next round, they're going to move over here in front of that player, and so on. Although, the yaks, as I said, can get discombobulated and turn around and go in different directions and all of that. So, that's the crux of the game. And here are our gigantic building blocks. No little cubes in this game. I have huge hands, folks. Um, and yet I can barely hold a handful of these gigantic blocks that we are going to use to build our personal pyramids. So we got a whole bunch of those. Oh, and I shouldn't have ripped open the bag because there was a thingy in Oh, Silly me. All right, here we go. This is what we're here for. The yaks. And the yak carts. Although some assembly required. This thing needs wheels. This yak needs horns. So here's the wheels, the bag of wheels. So we put some wheels on and they are real. They are functioning wheels. They spin and all uh, right, where's the horns? Oh, that's the first player, baby yak. Where are the horns? Show me the horns. Gotta have some horns now. We want the horns. Are they under here? All right. Uh, oh, player boards. Nice dual layer player board. Keeping. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, this would be where you actually build your pyramid with all the different pieces, and it's dual layer to kind of hold them in place as you build higher and higher. All right. Uh, this is Yak's milk and various other resources we will be using over the course of the game. A score track. More player boards. Okay. Now I'm kind of getting worried. I have run out of places to look for the horns. Are they under? Nope. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Let's look at another bag. This has the yak and the thing. All right, some cars will come back to that. Where are the horns, everybody? Are there any horns in here? No, there are definitely not. Just the meat and the other stuff. Were they in here? Are they in this bag? Which I'm sure is where we build, draw all the things out of. Wow, how interesting. I mean, I can show you here because there is the first player marker and its horns are in position. So you just snap them in place, I think. There we go. And, oh, it goes on only one way. Like an old USB, um, Jack. Ugh. Boy, I didn't know I needed to have my glasses on to be able to see how to put this in. But my 52-year-old eyes are having a hard time in here. All right, this is the flat side. There we go. Come on, get in there. All right, I'm just going to show you one side. Uh, and I'm going to have to do this in a bright, well-lit room. But you can imagine the other horn. And you can imagine these. I know the way this works is these 
snap in. There we go. And there we go. So this is very cool, but it would be much cooler with the yak horns. All right, don't want to lose the one yak horn I have found so far. Let's put that over there. This is really weird. I mean, there's not that much in here. I don't feel like I could have missed it. All right, let's just open the bag on the other side. All the pieces. All the pyramid pieces. Nope, no horns anywhere in here. I might have to contact Pretzel Plan B because I got no horns, folks. Wow. I am pretty confident there are no other places I could look. So, I have deformed... Yeah. Oh, wait, here they are. How did I miss that? All right. Saved by the horns. There we go. Let's go on ahead and finish what we started, trying desperately not to lose any of these things. Hopefully I can get the bigger one in better. There we go. And another one right there. Nope, that's wrong side. That's the wrong side. There we go. Nope, that's upside down. Oh, they're all of one. And so the other, these are all the other side's horns. Okay. Phew. I was really nervous there for a second. And again, this side is incredibly hard to get in. Why is this happening? There we go. That's it, folks. The horns. So, the you depending on the player count, you will have two, three, or four of these in every round. They move around, and you can see they are set up to hold a whole bunch of stones and other resources that are moving around from village to village. And uh, so you you know you can see what's coming to you. You you know as they get filled up over time. And, um, you know, and players, I do know they do have the ability to turn them around and go the other way um, or grab things off of stuff that's not in front of them, all those kinds of special powers. But every round, when this thing comes in front of you and you've got your own board where you're trying to build, you either spend the resources you have collected, you know, the, the food to pay the merchant to get these so you can start building. Or you um, say, I don't want any of this stuff. And so you spend a turn gathering more resources to take care of the next merchant who's coming down the road. And then we've got all of these cards. Looks like um, different goals for the colors of the way you want to build your pyramids for different points. So colors do matter as you're building your pyramids. Or, hey, colors matter. Stay away from those. Nobody wants that color or whatever it might be. So there's some objectives. And then there's these cards. I'm not sure what these do because the little preview video that I watched didn't even mention that there were cards. But um, that is all very interesting. Uh, looks like different effects, different events. Who knows? All right. And that's Yak. Phew. Yakety Yak. Don't talk back. And I mean, yeah, this is cool. The fact that the wheels actually turn as it goes around, that... Oh, oh, and finally, yeah, I had these out. These, I remember, you put them in because they are a visual reminder of, you know, the contents of them. It looks like it looks like there's different ones. So I guess different merchants carry different things. That I'm not sure about. I didn't read the rules. I just watched a quick video. So, but this is the... And, you know, I mean, this is from the same publishing house that brought us Azul and Reef. And so I expect, while this is a very simple, family-friendly game to learn, it probably has what you call the hidden depths. All right. I just need to move all this out of the way. 
which means I'm gonna grab the empty thing from the Museum of Explorers. Come on, everybody. Off the table. Off the table, into the box. And uh, I think, yeah, this is where the fog builds up, and when the fog, you know, hits too hard, that's when the yaks all get knocked off course. All right. And there go the horns. Don't lose those sweet, sweet horns. And come on, buddy. Yeehaw! Right into, and a big crash. I'll clean all of this up later. Because we, I think, are now finished. I have given folks enough time. We've been doing this for half an hour. So, enough of the silliness. Let's get ready to round up. Although, let's uh, actually stop for a second because I've been going so fast. I didn't say hi to anybody. So, let me back up here. Uh, hey, Flashburn. Hey, Jacob. Subscribing. Thank you for the subscribe, Jacob. We are so close. Just a few more followers, and we will unlock a new top 10. I suspect I'll be doing another communal top 10 next month, but thanks for the uh, subscribe to get another RVR. And, um, all right, let's see. Flashburn, who else is here? Uh, Cheap Sheep Games and uh, To Live and Die, Dice in L.A., um, ba, ba, ba. hello to you. Hello, Hero Logic. Hello, Bing. Hello, Eclectic Camel. Hello, Cheap Sheep. I already said hello to you. Hello, Gizmo Burr. I don't recognize you, Gizmo Burr, if you're new here or relatively new. Um, oh, uh, if did you, did you miss the announcement? No, I haven't announced the announcement yet because I haven't actually started filming the show yet. Uh, what I'm really here to do today is record my monthly Rotto Rounds Up where I, you know, do my state of the union and whatnot. So when I get to that, when I'm actually recording the rounds up, I'll start saying, hey, in case you missed it, Amy and Maggie uh, went live with their first video today and all of that. So you haven't missed it yet, Gizmo. All righty. Who else am I saying hello to? Don Gilstrap, GenCam1981. Uh, hello, Hey Forest of Glass, uh, Rian B. And okay, I think I've said hello to everybody. Now I should actually... I don't know. There's like a whole chat full of people here. I should actually see what you people are saying, shouldn't I? Um, although, first of all, thank you. Elt Mini Pieces? Excellent. Another subscribe. Getting closer by the second. Elt, because you just subscribed, sometime in the next four or five minutes, you will notice your name on one of those little avatars walking around down at the bottom of the screen, and you'll be able to start customizing them, you know, change your color, your hats, all kinds of stuff. And there's a list of commands down there, too, so you can have fun, um, you know, dueling people or, or all kinds of business. All right, I'm actually going to slow down for a second. And actually, not just skim through and look for names, I'm actually going to look to see what people are saying. Okay, at the first, people were talking about my audio. So far, my audio's been... Uh, I'm still... This is the day, folks, I swear. After I'm done with this, I'm going to go out and buy the most expensive USB cable I can um, that is long enough, or the highest quality one, magnetically shielded, maybe powered, I don't know, because this is getting so ridiculous that it keeps falling apart like that. Pantomime today. Yeah, or that's my other option. Just uh, work on my mime skills and see how, if that's what pushes me over the top on the algorithm. All righty. Um, let's see. Explorers, how... All right. Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. Sorry, uh, cheap, cheap. Here's the... Uh, okay. I'm not opening Firestone, but I will tell you what's so cool about this. I mean, this looks like a... You know, it's from designer of Carcassonne, so you expect uh, you know, a lighter family weight game. Uh, everything starts with all the pieces face down, and players are taking turns exploring, you know, because this actually re recreates, you know, the early... Um, 
hunter-gatherer days of mankind. But the interesting thing about the game to me was that there are these uh, special power cards you can get. And, you know, they'll help you move or do special things. But there are also cards that will score you points. And the thing is, if you want to get the cards that score you points, you have to put them on the special powers, eliminating the special power. So you want to keep that special power because it's helping you move forward. But someday, you have to let it go so that you can actually score points off it instead. And I love that. Very few games put you in that situation. I mean, the main one I can think of is Miramis a million years ago. That you have to It's a worker placement game where you have to give up your workers to lock in victory points and I, I always think that kind of I need these things but I'll, they don't score me any points but they move me forward I have to give them you know that kind of thing so I'm really looking forward to that one too but I understand why people didn't vote for it I think it was visually the least interesting of the bunch but I think it might have the best gameplay actually although um, Gilbert and Sullivan who knows and again it's not a musical alrighty oh Bing used to uh Wow, I am not that hardcore with my nails. It's just like a habitual thing. You know, it's actually, Jen does not like this at all, but, you know, uh, when we're watching TV at night, I'll do this, and I've got this little tiny dish that's kind of, uh, you know, at the bottom of the side table that's just out of sight, out of mind, so Jen can't see it. If she sees our corner of mine, so I'm doing this, and I'm just kind of reaching back and putting it in the little dish so I can clean the dish out the next morning. Um, and I'm sure that's way TMI for a lot of people, and I apologize for that. But it's just, what is it, keratin? Is that, I mean, it's, 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 it's no big deal, folks. It's okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, alrighty. Uh, happy birthday. Ha- oh, th- uh, happy Thursday, says Forrest. Happy Thursday to you as well. Only, alright. Oh, Don did answer the question. You only ever recorded achievements in the rulebook for one game. Well, what was the game? That was... Uh, I hope, perhaps you'll answer later. Uh, alright. And Jen does not care about... Yeah. I mean... I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, Don. You said you did do it once. Why? What put you over the top? Oh, there we go. It was Heroes of Tenefer. Oh, your kids wanted to do it. The 11 and 12-year-old, very into recording. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, the reason I'm always uh, hesitant to do it is because it hurts the resale value. Because I still hold on to that. I mean, it doesn't. But, you know, especially since these... Actually, you know what? If anything, games I get rid of... I don't trade them away anymore or try to sell them on BoardGameGeek. I send them down to the Dice Tower West library so that people can play them at the convention. I bet you it makes them more valuable if people check it out and they go to the fact and say, oh, here's here's the points Rotto and Jen made. Oh, Rotto did this particular achievement. It would probably actually enhance them for that purpose. I never thought about that till just this second. All righty. Um, when will we be getting a run-through? You must have been talking about the Explorers. Well, that depends on what the voters think. Uh, you know, actually, after I'm done today, I have to get the vote going for May. Um, because the voters choose, as they always have, since the very, very first video I ever did ten years ago, the voters have always chose what I run through every month. So, if um, Explorers gets enough votes... It will get covered. If it doesn't, it's probably something I really want to play. So I'll play it, and at the very least, I'll talk about it in the following round up at the end of May, because I'm very excited about it. But I suspect it'll probably get enough votes. It might not, though. Actually, let's say, let's take a second and look at um, the list of potential games that could get covered, because now I'm curious. Where do I need to go to? Uh, go to this browser view. So this is... Uh, anybody can get to this link. This is pubcent.rado.com. And you can see Save Patient Zero is going to show up in a couple days. Great Western Trail, second edition. If those go, if, I, if this goes on the list, I am certain this will... Oh, I just need to um, 
I'm, I'm sure people will vote for this because I would demonstrate the solo mode in the second edition. But there's Fire and Stone, there's Yak, there's Guild of Merchant Explorers, Search for Lost Species also showed up, Perseverance. I bet you those. Now, here's the other thing. Dinosaur World just showed up. So I'd be willing to bet this is going to get a lot of votes. I'm probably covering that. And heck, maybe both of them will. Maybe I put and shouldn't put both on the ballot, though. Maybe one dinosaur island world thing per month is enough. And then here's some other ones. You know, the longer this goes, the you know some of these games I have had for months or even years on the shelf, and they just do not get enough votes. Someday I plan on covering all of these games, going all the way back to Polyphony's card game Patronus, um, because you know these were submitted to me by publishers. But this is my shame. This is a physical wall in the next board, constantly reminding me that I am. But I am failing in my duties. All of these have been submitted to me for run-throughs. Or at the very least, if not run-throughs, play them and talk about them in a monthly roundup. And, uh, you know, hey, the new stuff that comes in, that tends to be the stuff that gets the most votes. But someday, before I'm old and gray, no, I am old and gray, before I'm done with this channel, all of these things will have gotten covered in some form or other. Uh, Some form other than just me reminding you of all that list. So, um, yeah, so maybe it'll make it. But I'd, if I were a betting man, I'd say Dinosaur World is going to get covered. I just, uh, do I even want to put Great Western Trail solo? I, I need to look to see how different... Whoa! 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 What just happened? Dragons? Just throw in 7,900! Whoa! Hello! Well, you know what Dragons just did? Dragons just cracked the code. There's going to be another run-through next month, folks. That is one more run-through that's going to happen. And because that run-through, thanks to Dragons, who just had that huge explosive, um, you know, filled this up, I kind of feel like you folks should choose. I kind of feel like you folks should choose what is the game that I'm... I'm going to throw a... I'm going to throw a click um, mini... Uh, uh, you know, this is what you get for showing up, folks. You get to help pick what channels get right. So I think I can only put all right. Wh- um, what gets covered next month? Thanks, drag. Alrighty. So, so here's the deal. I don't want to put in the obvious ones because I mean you're human. You'll want to see the the hotness too. Let's see. Well, first of all, let's put the ones I just talked about: fire and stone, yak. Uh, Guild of Merch, uh, uh, Guild of Merch Explorers. Right, I can put two more on. Let's see here. Uh, all righty. Oh, I got to take some time. I did do that one. Um, DTT. I feel like I want to put some older ones on there. That you know, like some big shame. Okay, well, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's how I'm gonna chide. I'm going to put the ones I am personally most excited about that I know are unlikely to get chosen by the uh, the you know the regular voters. Excuse me, people who vote are the backers of my Patreon show. Wow, thank you so much, Dragons. You're the first time that ever super multi-explosive uh, bits thing ever happened. That was so awesome, and you know, targeted perfectly to hit the to hit the goal. That was so cool. Um, right, what do I want to play? What? Okay. Oh, I know. I really. Want to try uh, May Show, which is a uh, it's a solo or two player game, uh, imperfect communication cooperative game where we're trapped in a tomb trying to find our way out before we run out of air. That is just so cool and evocative. I'm really interested in that one. Uh, let's let's bring the uh, 
the browser back up. So this one, I have been wanting to play this one for quite a while. May show. Um, let's see, what else? Yeah, do I... Re- okay, if I'm doing this... Okay, I know I want to play Fire and Stone because I want to see that, you know, that cool twist on the Miramis. You have to sacrifice things to score points. Yak? Uh, Yak looks like fun. I'm sure it'll be great, but I'm sure it's really best, you know, for kids. So I think I'm going to take that one off. Guild of Merchant Explorers, I'm very excited about. Uh, what is the Search for Lost Species? Somebody just told me they're sending me that. Oh, uh, Matt O'Malley and Ben Rossett from Renegade. Oh, uh, yeah, Search for Planet X. Now, this is one that might get enough votes because Search for Planet X is so hot. And this is basically the sequel. Instead of Searching for Planet X, we're searching for lost species. So I bet you this one's going to get um, heat anyway. So I don't need to put that one on the list. I need to mark I need to mark Shinkansen Zero Kai as no longer... I'm going to um, say it is no longer on the wish list or want to play. It's just owned because that's how this list works. If I update the list now, Shinkansen Zero Kai is gone. I really want to try Museum Pictura, and people are just not having it. M-U-S-E-U-M Pictura. Uh, because it's a follow-up to Museum. It, it looks like it's a light... Oh, and I really want to try Watch, too. Um, you know, just because of the, the, the subject matter, being in a, uh, a former munitions factory in post-World War II Russia that has been converted into a watch manufacturing facility, and yet we're still trying to smuggle munitions out. That is such a fascinating subject. And you know what? I really want to do Voices in My Head, too, because there's a two-player mode. Now i got to take one out. Okay, I'm going to take Museum Picture. I'm going to put Voices in My Head in. Voices in My Head. These are the five that I'm really interested in. You folks are going to pick one of them. This is an extra run-through that is going to happen next month, thanks to Dragon. And um, very, very generous. Thank you so much. Uh, That's the thing, folks. You want an extra run-through every month? All you got to do is just fill that bar that Dragon's just filled. Um, So anyway, though. Voices in My Head, originally was a three-player minimum game, and it's got a dexterity, courtroom drama, um, uh, multiple personality thing. It seems very, very cool, and it looks like it stars um, Rodney Smith. So, let's see which one of those you folks are going to vote on. I feel like I should just let Dragon vote for it, but, um, but you made this happen. Thank you again so much. Let's come back to the talking head so I can hide behind this. What are you folks choosing so far? Guild of Merch Explorers. Yeah. See, I think any of these five being on the regular ballot, none of them will get enough votes to get covered. So, I mean, whichever one you choose, folks, you are... And I'm going to put May Show. There's my one vote for May Show. Of all of them, that's the one I'm most interested in because I just love, you know... I mean, I Jen loves Survivor and Naked and Afraid. Well, no, not Naked and Afraid. We stopped watching that. But Alone, you know, just these kind of extreme survival shows and whatnot. So that's my vote. Um, but don't be... Don't, don't, be uh, don't be spurred by that. Um, right, it looks like Guild of Merch Explorers is coming in hot, and, uh, that's very, very cool. And what do we got? Okay, we got a few seconds left. So, wow, this is not how I expected things to go, but thank you so much. And, oh, you know what? While we're doing this, I'm going to go on ahead and reset the counter. All right, so I got to go to this page, and so we can start building up bits for the next bonus run-through that will happen. All right, where is that? That is the uh, bit skull. All righty. So, all right, and how far did you go over? No, you hit exactly. You put in the exact number of bits. So I am going to end the goal. 
Alrighty, and then we're gonna set it up again. And um, so we can start accruing for another game in the future. Zero. Boom. There we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Oh, and Guild of Merchant Explorers. Okay, folks, you made that happen. I almost guarantee you it was very unlikely that was going to get covered next month, but now it is, thanks to Dragons and all the rest of you. And uh, that's what you get for showing up for the live show. People who watch this later on YouTube can only say, Oh, I would have voted for this or that or the other. Um, but hey, if you're listening to this in podcast form in a few days or if you're watching it on YouTube, hopefully you're still enjoying the show. This is certainly a very big dramatic moment for me. All righty. Um, let's see here. What is next? I think, um, I've been doing this for 45 minutes with you folks now. Or no, minus eight, because I start eight minutes before for the countdown. So I've been doing this for 36 minutes with you folks now. Which I think is enough. It is time to start the, um, run-through. So, let me get ready. Oh, let me, uh, scroll back down, see if anything else showed up. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, Dragon said, um, in his... Six thousand or seven thousand, and I don't even know how many seven thousand nine hundred and one bit donation. Thank you, uh, for the many years of content. Th- thank you for the seventy nine dollars and one penny, quite frankly. Uh, that definitely helps keep me going. Um, that was so generous, and it was just cool to see the uh, uh, thing pop up for the first time. Let's see here, what else have we got? So, I'm just going to continue on from there. Let's go old school Dominion. Um, oh, yeah, the Dominion allies. I mean, I'm gonna play that myself. It feels I, I, I don't. It it feels weird to me to do an entire run through just for a Dominion expansion. I did a top ten, or I, I it was like a, I think a top fourteen. I counted on all the Dominion expansions like three years ago, and I've been covering the Dominion expansion since. But it feels enough just to say, well, what's new in this? Why is it interesting? And just leave it in the roundup. Which is what I'm doing today. I'm doing the roundup. A few of the games I'm going to talk about in the roundup today do not have run-throughs. They're just games Jen and I played That because um, I'm just trying to get through all the games I've got on my shelves. Yep, and you're, you're right. Dragons should have decided. But I suspect... I don't know Dragons. But I suspect Dragons is a giving and generous soul who probably wanted to allow everybody to be part of the process. And I'll scroll down and Dragon says, Why aren't I choosing? Um, let's see here. <laughs> All right, what else have we got? Uh, Roar and Wright teach. Here's the deal. Um, Roar and Wright, I think, is going on the ballot for the first time this month. I'd be willing to bet it's going to get enough votes anyway. It, I'm sure it'll be in the top five, maybe the top four. So I, I, I wouldn't worry too much. That's probably going to get covered before too long anyway. What else have we got? Uh, um, all right. Uh, Agricolo through well would be great. Yep, 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 yep. Well, you know, I do have... It's not here yet. But I'm expecting the new Agricola CD expansion coming. And when that shows up, that is definitely... Whenever those new things show up, uh, Jen and I definitely like to sit down and make time and play it. Just because it gives us an excuse to get Agricola back out so I can cover it. So that's an interesting thought. Alrighty. 
All right. Um, oh, I see. Oh, uh, very good. Cheap sheets. Uh, you know, did, did Dragon say? Nope. Dragon loved them all. He was happy with whatever came up. So that's cool. That was happening in the background. Um, de- oh, decorum on the shelf. Yeah, decorum. Uh, that was a. F- that was an incredibly hard game to run through. In all honesty, uh, this one trying to keep the two. You know, the 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 secret non-communication co-op thing, that is tough to do because more so than most, I really have to compartmentalize off the two halves of my brain and pretend, okay, this half has no idea what this other half knows and I have to act accordingly. That was a nightmare to film, that one. But I was happy with the end result, even though I did screw up. And I completely forgot when I was setting it up that I was supposed to put paint colors on the wall and I totally forgot. But that's why people watch with the Klingon subtitles. Um... Well, Dragons wasn't the only one who played bitch. Dragons paid enough bits to get it over the top. But, um, you know, it was a 79. It was 149 total. So, Dragons was standing on the shoulders of many other people who would put in 5 bits or 10 bits or occasionally, you know, uh, 1,000 bits. Because one of the things that fills that up is if people buy merch, the... Uh, the If you look down, you can see there's a link for merch. All those merch items, you know, the coffee cups, the t-shirts, the ones of my logo or the ones of me and Ruel, I make about 10 bucks off of any of those. So whenever one of those sells, I update this and say, oh, boom, it just got an extra thousand. So, you know, it wasn't just Dragon. But, oh, man, Dragon, again, thank you so much. That was so kind Uh, and so gracious that you're like, hey, these all sound great. You're a a good Dragon, Dragon. All righty. Um... Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, Old Man Coaster. Yeah, that was, that one was definitely a tricky one to do, but a fun game to play. Uh, very cool. All right, look at that. I've actually been interacting with the audience like I'm supposed to. Um, but now I'm going to stop because I'm going to do what I'm actually here to do. It is my job. At the end of every month, I do a roundup where I talk about all the games I had covered for the preceding four or five weeks. Let's see. Oh, there's a last-minute thing. Oh, Wow, and the uh, I just got a message that the um, show sponsor bitmap is only just now being emailed to me. I got to go and find that. I was going to have to edit in after the fact, but if it's here in time, I would like to do as little editing as possible to this video after the fact. So I have just opened up Exchange. It is uh, coming. There are the graphics. I am saving as. This is very uh, boring to listen to, I am sure. Right, I need to put that in the Twitch directory. Right, um, there we go. And fine. So, and now, anything else important coming in the email? No. All right, I can close that. I want as many resources as possible. Now, let's go set up. Right, so Fun, uh, Fun Again sponsors this monthly show. That's the second one, but now I'm going to replace the Arcane Wonders, which was the sponsor of the RR show the other day, with a new bit of box art. Let me find it. It had parenthesis one at the end of it. I remember that. If I just sort this by date, that will help, won't it? Uh, Details. Sort by date. There it is. All right. Boom, boom. All right. So what are they saying? Um, Oh. Oh, and make this fit. Uh, Where is is the make it fit button? Transform. Fit to screen. There we go. Isn't that the same as their normal one? That is the same. Is it not? Okay, 
So, usually Fun Again has like some special thing they're doing in the month that they do, and then it goes to normal. Looks like they only just have the normal, so there's nothing special. So that is the Fun Again logo I'm going to have. And then I'm going to come back to me. I'm going to talk. I'm going to do an update on the channel. Maggie and uh, Amy are on. Their first video went live today, blah, blah, blah. But enough about that, folks. Let's start counting down the top, or the, you know, in, in countdown format. Let's see. One more thing. I was waiting... If I got a message from Kim, I don't think I have that. D D D. Do do do. All right. Okay. Yep. Nothing. Nothing else going on. All right. Cool. 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 So I've got everything in position, and you folks, it looks like you're just uh, getting comfortable. Oh, Bodie Belly, I'm right there with you. I am also very excited about Museum um, Pictura, but it seems like. Nobody else is, just you and me. I will get it played eventually, I promise, in some form or other. All righty. Um, boy, I am getting warm. You know what? Uh, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, I mean, end of April. Summer is almost here. For the last few months, it's been freezing here. You see, I'm wearing wear double shirts. I am not going to change my shirt in front of you all, but it is getting too warm. I am going to go off screen off stage right uh and i'll be back with a different shirt on in a second without the double layer hold on everybody chat amongst yourselves guess what my replacement shirt will be Okay, I'm back. It's the same shirt. It's another Thinker Themer shirt. I have two of them. So, uh, because this is the month that Amy and Maggie joined the uh, channel. So, I've been wearing their shirt uh, quite a bit this month. Mm. Alrighty. So, there we go. And, uh, let's see. I think everything should be ready. Spaghetti. Uh, did I miss anything else? Thanks again to Dragons. Thanks for the follows, too. I'm getting very close to unlocking that top ten. And, um, yeah, okay, we are all caught up, and I think I am ready to go. Oh, let me make sure that the, uh, let me close that, because that's just going to be distracting. All right, are all my browser tabs set up? There's Amy and Maggie, there's the Kim stuff, and there's all of my stuff, and there's you folks, and I don't need that anymore, so I can close that. Um... Ah, replacement shirts, Rush 2112. I don't get the joke, but that was not it. Um, I, is, is that the band? Are they getting back together in 2112? Is that like a long prophesized thing? I, I don't get it, but that's okay. I'm too old to get all the hip young refer references, I suppose. All right. Yeah, everything is good. Okay, so got the roundup view. That's the first thing I'm actually showing when I talk about um, Amy and Maggie. So that's queued up, ready to go. Let's see. I'm not going to have the video, so I'm not going to need to go hey, to folks. that. So I actually played. A I was off to edit that in after the fact. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure because once I get going, I try if I can to do this in one unbroken take, and uh, so I'm just trying to make sure. You know, as if I was literally. I am. I am filming in front of a live studio audience, and of course, I can do edits after the fact. I just hate editing. Uh, so just a little tiny bit more prep to make sure everything is in position, so that hopefully I don't have to fix things after the fact. Let me go on ahead and make sure the banner is set up. 
and it is displaying correctly. Alrighty, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is, oh, hey, look at that. That's not right. Uh, boop. There we go. Put the banner in front of you little stream avatars. And, yeah, okay, so that's all cool. So that's working fine, too. Everything is coming up roses. All systems go. The sound has not died again since the Star Show. That's really interesting. That's two weeks in a row where it's died when I switched to this particular scene. Ah, don't care. Still, just got to buy a new cable and just uh, and move on. Okay. Um, yes, uh, Don Gilstrap, I agree 100,000%. Uh, Amy and Maggie are amazing. I am so happy to have them on the channel. We've been talking about it for months. The uh, Radlands video that went live today was actually their third attempt. Um, so you got to doff your cap to them. They are, they are real troopers. Uh, you know, they, they took a lot. Of, the, the first one, I had a lot of feedback. It, it, was an, it was a fun run through, but it was definitely not in my style, you know, where it's all about trying to let the game demonstrate itself uh, pretty much. And then they did a second one that was just about perfect, but they made one huge rules mistake that was so big. Paulo caught it and said, I think they need to film it again. This is such a huge mistake. And and they said, yeah, it was huge. So they filmed it. The third try is what just went up live today, and it's awesome. And uh, yeah, and they are awesome too. And next month, we were talking about what they might do because um, we were kind of going through what they have. Um, oh gosh, it came down to two. Two games that they have in their collection. I'm trying to remember what they were now. That pro that I don't. That probably wouldn't get covered any other way. Let me see if I can find that. I'm sure that would be very, very interesting to folks. It's like a sneak peek. Let's see. But that means i got to start Skype back up. Oh, but I can't. Ugh. Oh, no, start with this way. There we go. Skype.exe. Start that back up. Let me see if I can find... Oh, this is driving me nuts. I know Kim finally got her copy of First Empire, so she's going to be covering that. Shay is still on honeymoon from getting married, so he's taking a break. Oh, man, there's so much in here. I can't find it. I can't find it. There's too much. Uh, Well, yeah, you folks will just have to... I mean, I'll, I'll mention it in coming soon when I know, but I don't know now. And I really have put off long enough. I've got to start recording the show. So, we are ready Spaghetti to go. So exciting, Forest of Glass. I don't know what you're excited about, but I'm glad you share my excitement. Okay, let me uh, get going. And remember, folks, if the uh, if the mic drops out, go on ahead and start hitting me with those boom stickers so I know, because I've still got you right here in my ear. And um, also, after we're done with this, I'm going to do a Q&A. If you have any questions, you know, an AMA, ask me anything kind of thing. If any questions pop up while we're doing this, um, start your question with a question mark. Like, say, question mark, who's coming after Amy and Maggie? Or, you know, so that... Because that means they will go in a queue, and after we're done, I will go through the queue of any questions that have built up during the recording, and, uh, and we'll take it from there. So that'll be at the end of the show. But right now, we're going to go to the beginning of the show. I'm putting... Oh, wait, no, before we go, one more thing... Uh, it'll be a quick one because uh, not as many people as on the normal Tuesday show, but we're going to have a battle royale, royale, um, and it should be pretty quick, I think. 
Let's see. And with actually only half the number of people normally, it'll probably be easy to follow what's happening. Look at all the I mean, people aren't all stomping all over each other right from the get-go. I got my eye on Dragons, the MVP today. Dragons is right in the middle, the most dangerous place. And he makes a run and goes right against Feldfan. And Scott O'Brien stabs Dragons in the back. Dragons runs but doesn't get far before I start trying to stab Dragons in the back. And Dragons is out. I destroyed Dragons. Apparently I'm revealing my true feelings, Dragons. Apparently $79 and one penny was not enough for you to survive the Battle Royale. Let's see what's going on now. Uh, I'm right there in the center. I'm doing pretty good. I'm over half health. I'm going to go throw down with DeGlobi. And DeGlobi did not know what hit him. F um, Fidelia. Uh, those kitty cat ears are adorable, but they uh, you can't handle the Rotto. I'm chasing down Fidelia, and I'm going to deliver the killing blow. And But now Varian Hex gets revenge and takes me out. It's now down to Varian Hex, DeGlobi, and El. L510024 and L510024 grabs the health pack. Oh, it's anybody's game. It's down to Deblobi and L. Is it L5 or LS? It's very tiny. S's and 5's are very difficult. Um, but LS gets another... Oh, just misses the health pack. So it's a true even battle. You can go either way. And it looks like DeGlobi is out. DeGlobi makes a run for the health pack. Doesn't make it. And LS10024 or L5. Probably LS does it. Congratulations. All right. I see Varian Hex saying that was the furthest he's ever survived. Um, congratulations. You almost made it. it looks like it was LS. Um, um, 10,024 has won the Battle Royale. And apparently, Dragons, your, your largesse earlier in the show got you nothing. Nothing as one of the first people out. Buy it at my hand! No less. All righty. Well, that was fun. Okay. So now, one last sip, and then we're ready to record the show. Putting my little reminder up there that while I'm recording, I'm basically treating this like a live show, so I can't do any kind of back and forth unless I actually pause. Sometimes I'll pause if like there's a big raid or something like that. But otherwise, we are ready to go. Where's the button? Where's the button? Where's the button? Okie dokie. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hey everybody, this month's episode of the R&R Show is brought to you by Fun Again Games. And welcome back everybody. Oh, it's the end of April. April, the best month of the year. At least in my world, let me tell you why. Let me actually walk backwards. You know what happened today, folks? On April 28th, 2022, the day I'm streaming this live on Twitch, I put up the first ever run-through from Amy and Maggie thinker, themer, one of my favorite board game media people anywhere. I absolutely love them to bits, and they did a phenomenal run-through of Radlands, and um, I can't wait to see what they do next. They will be back next month covering more stuff. So, um, at the end of my of the month of my 10th anniversary of the show, I have brought on now, um, what, Shay and Ryan and Ruel and Kim and now Maggie and Amy, and I am really so happy with how the, uh, um, the, the, the channel has been growing. So right off the bat, it's already a fantastic April. That's what happened today in April. But you know what happened just last week? Shay got married. Congratulations, Shay. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That is fantastic. And you know what happened earlier in the week? Amy and Maggie got married. Once again, proving April, the best month of the year. But you know what happened April 10 years ago? 
I started filming my show. This has been the month of my 10th anniversary. So another reason, April is awesome, celebrating the 10th anniversary, um, culminating with Amy and Maggie joining. You know what happened 31 years ago in April, folks? I got married, uh, happily married to my wife, Jen, uh, back in 91. Oh, uh, and we are still trucking along, happy as we have ever been. You know what happened in April 52 years ago, folks? I was born. Uh, thanks, Mom um, and Dad. Uh, you know, I, thanks for everything. So April has always been a very good front for me, and I think I'm going to stop my backwards retrospective on April because I'm sure a lot of terrible things have happened in April as well. Like I know, I think Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in April. So let's just stop right there and say nothing of import ever happened in April except for those awesome things, thereby proving once and for all that April is the greatest month of the year. And I'll tell you another reason because I've got 17 games to talk about that were um, played by me and others on the channel and. And that's what we are here to do, folks. And um, Shay, because he was off getting married and stuff, actually kind of took a month off. Hasn't really recorded anything new. He will be back next month. Don't worry. Uh, he's got to get back to work after he's done with his honeymoon. But to step in for Shay, Kimberly Tolson, Professor Kimberly Tolson, uh, stepped up and recorded three new previews. So let's talk about them first. And I say, take it away, Kim. And I have to pause there, because here's the deal, folks. I only sent an email to Kim this morning saying, Hey, Kim, would you like to do a quick, just pick up your phone and talk into the phone, recording what you thought of the games you covered so I could put it in the roundup? And that was totally unfair. I should have told her like a week ago. So she had, and so I don't know if she's going to reply eventually when she sees the email, when she's out of class saying, No, I'm not going to do that. Um, or if she's in fact going to do it. So I don't have a video of her talking about her games to play right now. And for all I know, she is not going to do that. So, what I am going to do is, I'm now going to record a slightly alternate take of that, where I talk through the games in case she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine just doing the previews, thanks, and, and the run-throughs. So, uh, let me get back to where I was. So, um, <clears throat> right, so I just said, uh, uh, Kim... What, what, what did I just say? What did I just say? Oh, I really should have written that down as I was going. So I had, I said, Kimberly, take it away. Uh, Kimberly had three games. I'm, I'm sure at some point I said, Kimberly had three games. And then I probably said something like, Kimberly, take it away. So I'll jump in from the three games. And, uh, and, 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 and let me tell you about them. All right, so we'll just do that. All right, so. And let me tell you all about them in alphabetical order, starting with... Damask, which is a very, very cool-looking abstract-style game that is crowdfunding right now. Kim did a fantastic run-through of it, and I have to admit, really got my attention. I am not the biggest abstract player in the world, if I am honest. Uh, but this game, which has a very, very cool cube drafting uh, system, where there's this circular drafting board in the center of the wheel, and it's kind of an Azul kind of vibe, but still very, very different, where you have to uh, make tough choices about which cubes you're going to grab. It's not like just grab all of one color. There's a little bit more to it than that, and Kim does a fantastic job demonstrating just how incredibly challenging 
interesting it is because you will often end up grabbing cubes you don't want to get the ones that you do. And here's the thing. There will be scoring opportunities every once in a while. And if you have too many cubes on hand when one of those comes, you will lose points. So what are you going to do when you're grabbing cubes you don't want to be able to get the ones you want, knowing that they could lose you points? Here's the thing, folks. In this game, players can steal cubes from each other. And you might think, oh no, why would Rado want that? Rado's a Care Bear. He doesn't like stealing. Here's the deal. Every time you steal a cube from me, I get a huge benefit from it. So I, it looks like from Kim's video, and again, she demonstrated this brilliantly, it looks like you can go on ahead and grab cubes knowing that even wanting other players to steal them from you so that you can get the cubes you really want. And that level of positive interactivity is absolutely brilliant. And as well, it's a very, very sharp set collection game. Nice presentation. Uh, check out uh, Kim's video. And uh, it's still crowdfunding even as we speak. And so that was Damask. Then Kimberly also took a run, or a preview of Fa uh, Final Girl. And um, wait a minute. Final Girl was not a paid preview. Damask was a paid preview. Final Girl was not. I paid her to cover this one because I had wanted to see this in action for quite a while. And she did a phenomenal job running through it. Uh, this game that uh, is a solo game, uh, which recreates the feel of like a classic 80s Friday the 13th style horror film, does that with so much theme, so much attention to atmosphere and capturing all the moments of these of this genre of film. And Kimberly did such an amazing job um, bringing that story to life and walking us through it every step of the way, showing all the really interesting, tense, challenge-based decisions. Because this is a game where you are using cards to stay alive and dice. And often you have to sacrifice your cards to control the dice. Um, but those cards are often your most powerful things. And so that tension between deciding how to manage your resources while just trying to save alive and save as many other summer campers from, um, oh, what's the name, Hans the Butcher or one of several other, you know, mythical... Um, Jason Voorhees type characters it was really really cool Kim did a phenomenal job capturing the spirit of it and I gotta say it looks a lot of fun Final Girl and then the final game that Kimberly covered was a much bigger one, and it was a paid preview for Nightmare Cathedral. And here's the interesting thing, folks. This is a big, rich, deep, complex, Euro-style resource management game um, from Board and Dice, you know, who are really kind of at the premiere for doing these kinds of really big, complex, meaty Euros. But this is not set trading in the Mediterranean or, uh, you know, a similar type setting. This one is basically set in a nightmarish dream world um, full of all kinds of creepy crawlies, and players are trying to um, exert their influence over the land. This has the gameplay feel of a Board and Dice, but the uh, the setting of something like from a uh, Fantasy Flight game, so it's a really interesting departure for Board and Dice. And Kim did, again, a wonderful job demonstrating how it works. I think the coolest thing about this is it's card-driven um, actions. Your cards let you do what you want, but kind of like Race for the Galaxy, these cards allow other players on your turn to get to do stuff as well. But it's a little bit more complex than just a Race for the Galaxy style. Oh, I play a card, everybody gets to do it, because often players will get to do other different things than what I'm doing. And it has a fantastic table presence. Really creepy and spooky. And again, 
Kim did a phenomenal job uh, previewing it. You can go check out her video for that as well. So that was it for Kim. Our second month on the channel, a big month. Three big games covered. But uh, as excited as I'm about that, I am also, as I said, very excited about Amy and Maggie, Thinker Themer, the Thinker and Themer themselves, doing their first run-through for the channel, Radlands. And I'll be honest, folks, I was not really interested in Radlands. This is a post-apocalypse, oh, I've got my um, ragtag group of survivors, you've got yours, and we're just trying to wipe each other out as we fight over water. Um, you know, very, very Mad Max-inspired, which, of course, makes it so appropriate that, um, you know, the... Uh uh, the, the girls from Down Under would be covering this game. But they absolutely love it, and they talked about this in their final thoughts. They, generally speaking, are kind of Care Bears themselves, especially Maggie. But this is a game that breaks the rules for them, and they find themselves really enjoying it. And, folks, you have to check out that run-through that just went up at the end of the month, as I mentioned right up front, because I had so much fun watching it. I can imagine maybe I would enjoy this as well, even though it kind of goes against all of my principles. I don't want to attack you. I don't want to steal your stuff or, or kick down your sandcastle. And that's what this game is all about. But it's so fast playing, so high octane and so thematic. And I'll admit, I, you know, I, I love, um, you know, a Fury Road and all the rest of it. So a game that really brings that to life and does it with so much color and vibrancy and really sharp design. Well, Amy and Maggie kind of sold me on their first run through for the channel ever. Radlands. So, uh, that was it for contributors this month. And so now we are going to talk about 13 more games that Jen and I have played over the last four weeks or so. And uh, I'm going to be doing this in countdown format, starting with our least favorite and ending with a new game of the month. So, although I did, we didn't play any bad games this month. Actually, if I play a bad game, generally speaking, I just won't talk about it at all uh, because that's the way I was raised. If I don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Just... Get, put the game in the trade pile and move on to the next. But all 13 of these games have really, really cool elements in them. And I'm going to start out with number 13, Legends of Hellas. And the interesting thing about this game, this is a very, very light, family-friendly, cooperative game where players are actually trying to work together to take out a series of mythological creatures that are, um, you know, hell-bent on destroying us. The art is fantastic, and the gameplay is super quick and elegant. As part of setup, a bunch of different creatures, uh, minotaurs, medusa, what have you, are randomly chosen and placed out on the board. Each one of them is a location, and each player has a little disc that represents them as a player. And you're going to move from one creature to another to another and play cards to that creature that match the symbols that are their weakness. Do you have to outthink them? Do you have to outfight them? Do you have to beat them with ranged attacks or whatever it might be? And everybody has a handful of cards in their hand. And um, really, success here is figuring out, well, who should go fight who based on the cards you've got? The tricky thing is, this is an imperfect communication game. You can't tell anybody what cards are in your hand. And so you have to make a lot of, of informed decisions about where you're going to go and what you're going to do based on what you see your teammates doing. And that creates for some really interesting um, intense moments. 
But, uh, you know, or particularly because you have the opportunity to hand cards or uh, to, to your teammates or, um, you know, try to uh, collude and work together. And another important thing is you only have a few cards. If you run out of cards, it's over. You lose the fight. Um, and every action you do, whether it's just move around, try to give a card to somebody else, you have to sacrifice cards. So you're, 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 you're losing them as fast as you can use them. And you cannot afford to be wasteful with these at all. And and um, what you will often find happening is that um, one of your actions can be the Oracle, because drawing back cards is incredibly important too, and you don't want to draw randomly and get a bunch of cards that you know somebody else needed. So players do have the option to say, oh, let me look at the next few cards in the deck, and I'll put them back in an appropriate order. That is the most interesting moment of the game, and it's also the most challenging, because you have to know, right, okay, you clearly need this, but maybe you already have it, but you haven't done it yet. How am I going to move forward? So the Imperfect communication really creates a lot of tension. So, um, you know, and, and the and the it's sharp, it's fun, it's easy to teach, it's fast. It comes with I forget like six different scenarios of di varying difficulty levels, so different setups. And um, why did it come in at the lowest? Because it is a very lightweight game. This would be a wonderful game, I think, to play with friends and family who are new to the hobby. But I would not recommend this as a game for hardcore gamer geeks like me and Jen who have played hundreds of hours of cooperative games because. The imperfect communication, Jen and I are often able to anticipate what the other person needs. So for us, even when we bumped it up to the high difficulty levels, it's a little bit too easy to play. But we did agree it was very smooth um, and charming and wonderful presentation. My number 13 of the month, Legends of Hellas. Then we go on to number 12, Switch and Signal. And the interesting thing about this one is it is a cooperative pick-up-and-deliver train game. And that makes it very interesting, very unique, quite unlike anything else on the market. So this is certainly one of the ones I was most excited about playing because I love. I would much rather play a co-op game than a competitive game. And while pick-up-and-deliver is not really my jam, I have occasionally found pick-up-and-deliver games that work really well. Like uh, last month, we were really impressed by uh, Autobahn, a game that's uh, uh, raising funds right now, because that was a pick up and deliver game where the trucks that were delivering stuff would move on their own accord. And that's what really attracted me to this game, too. Because our job in this game is to run the signals and switches on an existing rail line um, all over Europe and try to make sure that there are open paths for the trains that have to go to cities to pick up goods and then deliver them to other cities. And the trains move on their own, autonomously. It's our job just to try, with a limited set of moves, to stay ahead of those trains and uh, make sure they are going to go in the right direction by readjusting the switches and signals. Because we have a limited hand of cards, and we can sacrifice multiple cards to do wild actions, but we have to um, work a lot. Okay, I can take care of that. If, if the train doesn't move, I'll get that thing going south on my turn. Oh no! It moved! It was the one we were hoping it wouldn't move, and now it's going off to the west. Can we reroute it in another direction? It actually feels fairly thematic for an abstract uh, game. And uh, yeah, it's really sharp. So why did it come in at number 12? Well, first of all, I should say the uh, collaboration between players is great. We really spent our entire time working and trying to solve the puzzle. And it was a nice, fun, challenging puzzle, too. I was just a little bit disappointed because I thought the pickup and deliver was going to be, oh, the game handles all that by yourself. But one of the actions you can do is move the trains. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to wait for that train to move on its own because it might not move for a while. I need to move it now so I can change these switches. And that's fun. That's a cool moment. But I found, since I don't like pickup and deliver, for my taste, 
I was still a little too personally responsible for making these trains slowly move across the map. If they moved 100% outside of our control, and maybe we could just adjust the speed of them rather than deciding when they do and don't move, that would have bumped it up a few. But, Folks, if you like cooperative games and you like trains and you are looking for and you don't and you like pick up and deliver, my gosh, you have to check out this game. It's like this game was made for you uh, because the theme is really strong. There are special uh, powers you can use that you have to use at the right time. It's a fun puzzle. You just gotta go, go into it knowing that oh, this is cooperative pick up and deliver. I've never tried that before. Maybe it's really cool. And um, you should probably know based on your own predilections if that's gonna work for you. Number twelve of the month, Switch. And signal. Then we move on to number 11, Megalomania. Now, this is an interesting one. This is a fantasy-themed, oh, what'd you call it, uh, trick-taking card game. It is a competitive trick-taking card game. But I'll be honest, folks, I, I would be willing to bet the developers of this probably took some inspiration from um, the developers of, oh, what's it called? Uh, cannot think of the word... The crew. Um, because uh, it, it's it's not as simple as, oh, look, I've got my hand of cards. I just want to win as many tricks as I can and, and all the rest of it. Every round, and you play through multiple rounds where everybody gets a, a certain number of cards in their hand, and you're going to do trick-taking. You know, uh, lead cards, um, you know, trump suits, and uh, you know whoever plays the highest of the lead, if you can't follow, you have to play something else. That means you're going to lose. All, all the normal trick-taking card stuff is here. And um, the trick is, at the beginning of every round, everybody gets a certain number of cards, and a mission, a quest, is drawn from the deck that says, oh, to win this quest, you have to win an even number of tricks. Or you have to win tricks only only with blue cards, or you have to lose every trick, or you have to lose more than you win, or you have to lose an odd number of times, or whatever it might be. And everybody sees that and is like, oh, okay. And so the puzzly nature of, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to, I mean, I look at my hand of cards, I think, wow, I've got a strong hand of cards. I'm probably going to win a lot. If I need to win exactly an even number of times, and there's going to be five rounds, I need to win either two or four of these. Can I pull that off? So this extra level of complexity really elevates it. And this is the same kind of thing you see for the missions in the crew. But this game goes much deeper than the crew because after you see the mission, after you see your cards, everybody at the start of the round makes a choice. Would you like to get two? crystals, which activate special powers on your cards. So, when you play a card, if you use a crystal and you're like, oh, I'm going to lose this trick, um, you could. Uh, but I played the card that says, oh, low number wins now, I could suddenly win the trick. But I have to use up those precious crystals to activate the special powers of these cards. Or, you can get a bunch of these black cubes, which are a resource that lets you change the value of a card. So, if you have a bunch of these, you're like, oh, you played a six, I have to follow with a four, I'm going to lose. Okay, I'll follow and I'll put three of my little cubes on, turning my um, four into a seven, I win! But then the player next to me, oh, you've still got some cubes too. Are you going to be able to beat me? Should I save my cubes for later? So, and then there's a third type of resource you can get, and you get to choose. Do I want the crystals? Do I want the cubes? Or do I want these scrolls? And these scrolls are super powerful things that in various and ways pretty much let you win whenever you want. Or lose whenever you want. And so you've got to make a choice of what combination of these things do I want based on my hand, based on the mission that tells me how many times I need to win or lose over the next five or eight or whatever rounds it is. And if it's really clever. I thought it was very, very sharp, very well done. And if you like 
um, if you like trick-taking, but you want something more, uh, if, if you like the crew and you wish, boy, I love the idea of the crew, but why isn't it competitive? That's what Megalomania gives you, a competitive trick-taker with a lot of really interesting decisions because of all the special powers that the cards have, but only if you can pay for them, or the ability to manipulate the cards as you go, always trying to hit the current mission. It was very, very sharp. Why doesn't it come in higher? I mean, it's not the gameplay. The design is great. But playing this game made me realize I am only interested in playing cooperative trick-takers because this is a very, especially as a two-player game, a very cutthroat game where you're constantly, just every step of the way, every thought is bent towards, right, how can I trick you? How can I outwit you so that you win and I lose or I win and you lose or whatever it is I'm trying to do? And Jen and I found we just didn't like doing that to each other. Um, where I mean, we like bu- either working together or building our own things without hurting each other. This game is a constant non-stop attack as you're constantly trying to outwit your opponents and the game gives you so many tools to do it I'm really impressed by it if you wanted the crew to be competitive you owe it to yourself to check out uh, number 11 Megalomania then we move on to number 10 Animalia another trick-taking game yes I tried another one but this one is cooperative. And I have to admit, I was really impressed by this. Not only do I really like the theme, which is all about saving endangered species all around the world in different countries, but this is a trick-taking game, like Megalomania before it, or like the crew, that um, every time you set up gives everybody unique missions that they have to work on. So again, it adds an extra level of complexity. There's not just like this one universal thing. Um, you know, in a given time, I might have to win four South American tricks and one of them has to be an elk. And then one, a fifth trick in this round has to be, I have to win one that will give me an elk from anywhere in the world except South America because that's what my funding is and I have to win those types of tricks. And meanwhile, you have to win European tricks, uh, but you also need an elk. And so how are we going to work together to make sure you can win all the tricks you need to win and I can win all the tricks I need to win. Again, playing fairly standard trick-taking rules. The lead card says what everybody else has to play. The high card wins. Everybody takes the trick. And now here's the interesting thing. This Animalia is a co-op game for one, two, or three players. And like the crew, it introduces, if you've ever played the crew as a two-player game, which I love, it introduces a third player, a wildlife agency that we all work for. And in the crew, this third player was just kind of like a a dummy player that replicates a third player. But in this game, it's actually a player that does a completely different thing. The Wild... I forget the name. The the WFA, the Wild Federation Association player, who, if you're playing a three-player game, somebody takes on that role. And if you're playing a two-player game or a one-player game, that role is automated and we make choices for them. Their job is to raise funds. Because um, the low-value cards we can play have special powers. The high-value cards we can play raise money. And um, the thing is, we as individual agents can't raise money. So if we win a trick using a high-value card, hey, we won the trick we needed to do, but we didn't get the funds. If the third player wins a trick with a high-value card, they get the funds. And they can distribute the funds to us, the actual agents, so we can use the special powers of the low-value cards. And this is freaking brilliant. I was really really impressed a lot with Animalia. Um, It has that same kind of, oh, how to puzzle out when do I want to win? When do I want to lose? When do I want you to win? When do I want you to lose? We all have to figure this out together. We can't talk about what's in our hands, so we have to intuit what you might be able to do based on what you've done in the past. And it's got a great presentation. It's fast. It's puzzly. It works really, really well. So why didn't it come in higher? Two things. One, um, 
like the crew before it, if you're not really attuned to um, trick-taking tile games, this can be a challenging game to try and figure out because it's so counterintuitive. Half the time I want to win, half the time I want to lose. I want you to win, I want you to win. Trying to keep all that in mind for my wife, Jen, was a challenge. And in the same way, the crew is a challenge for her. But if anything, this one, the win conditions that we are all trying to navigate are more complex. And so for Jen, it was a little bit too much. And I say this knowing that Jen is a better gamer than me. She can handle Agricolas and Arc Novas all day long, but this one really burned her brain in a big, big way for such a tiny little trick-taking game. Me, I loved it. I was really into it. The other thing, though... If there's one complaint I have about the design, remember, if you're playing as a solo or a two-player game, there's that third player that is the WFA or whatever, whatever the, uh, the, the Wild Fund Association, whatever it is. In the crew, they have a similar thing where there's another player who you get to see half of their cards and the other half are hidden. In this game, you get to see that third, all of that third player's cards. And honestly, I did not like that as much as the crew's approach where you it's imperfect information. I know either you have the card I don't see or I know the dummy player has it, but I don't know which one of you do. In this game, I know where all the cards are. You can count them. You can figure it out because you can see all of the third player's cards. And I can see all of my cards. And so that led to a lot more cards counting. And honestly, you kind of needed to do it because of the extra level of complexity with all of the missions we're trying to manage. But I still kind of wish they had adopted the crew version where I can see half of the WFA's hand and the other half will slowly be drip fed so I can never be 100% certain where the, the, the North American Grizzly card is. Because okay, Oh, I see. They don't have it. I don't have it. I know you have it. And I can make moves knowing that you can figure that out, but I just want that little extra little bit of unpredictability. Honestly, I think a great homebrew variant for this, which would increase the difficulty, would be only get to see half of the third player's cards, and they get slowly drip-fed over the rest of the game. But that's my only complaint. And, um, you know, this Animalia, for fans of the crew, you especially if you can play it as a three-player game, you definitely owe it to yourself to seek it out, because I think it does the crew in a fresh new, interesting way, and it really changes up the formula. That's number 10 of the month, Animalia. Then we move on to number 9, Shinkansen Zero Kai, which is the latest game from the husband and wife design team, um, Isa and... Uh, or Isra and um, oh, I can't remember their names. It, it's like uh, their, their, their designer name is the first four letters of each of their first names. I can't remember them, but... You know, I apologize, I don't remember your names, but I remember your games. Red Cathedral was one of the 10 best games of, was it last year or the year before? And so I couldn't wait to try Shinkansen, which is all about building the world's first bullet train line in 1960s Japan, getting ready for the 64 Olympics. And this game is brilliant. It is. It has kind of at its heart a King Domino-style card draft, because every round there's going to be a certain number of cards that come out, and players take turns grabbing one, and that will determine turn order, and that will also determine what special powers you give yourself for the rest of the game. Because in this game, we are trying to prepare cities to get um, stations built, then we're trying to build the stations, then we're trying to run rail to those stations um, to get everything hooked up in time, because we only have five years to get ready to build as much of the line as possible. But the interesting thing is, every time I grab one of these cards, it will give me new powers and will also determine player order, um, You know, which again, is kind of a King Domino thing. I am also giving myself goals. If I take this particular card that says Tokyo, I suddenly, it's incumbent on me to ensure Tokyo is hooked up on the line or else I will lose points. 
And so, if I get a few Tokyo cards, and I was like, oh crap, I gotta get Tokyo up and running, and I put a really valuable station in Tokyo, everybody else can see what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, every Tokyo card that comes out for the rest of the game, everybody wants to grab it. Because if other people get it instead of me, they get points the same way I would off of all the work that I did. And so, that really adds an extra level of depth and complexity in terms of what was already a really interesting draft. On top of that, another cool thing is all the different powers of gathering resources, laying track, all the different actions you have to do. Some of them you can do with your own card, but some of the actions can only be done on other people's trains. And if I want to use actions on your train, I can do it by paying you money. And as you might imagine, that creates for some tense moments as well. Because, oh, uh, you know, somebody who has this, okay, I know you're going to pay me the money, so I'm not going to raise money right now. I'm going to do a free um, you know, uh, grounds preparation because I know you're going to pay me the money you need because you need to do this action on my train, don't you? Let's see what happens. And that level of interaction is wonderful. Players are so intertwined in this game. Everything I do affects you and vice versa. And we only have five short years to get this thing done. And if all that weren't enough, we also need to spend time and effort um, uh, co- contributing to the actual preparation for the Olympic venues in three randomly chosen cities. And if we don't do that, we lose a lot of points, a lot of prestige at the end of the game too. So it's an incredibly tiny, tight little package with a lot of stuff going on. I was very, very impressed by our number nine of the month, Shinkansen 0K. Then we move on to number eight, Voyages, which is a very, very cool game. Because um, this is available as a print-and-play. Actually, it was hugely successful on Kickstarter late last year. Um, Because what happens is, for, what is it, four pounds sterling, you know, four UK or um, British pounds, which is what, like five and a half dollars in the United States, you set up a subscription service where they will send you PDFs or JPEGs of maps of an evolving, changing world that will let you play more and more adventures in this fun little bingo-style um, roll-and-write where we are sailing around. Every round, there are three dice rolled. Everybody looks at those three dice, picks one die to determine their heading, where they're going to direction they're going to sail, another die to determine how far they're going to sail, and they must go exactly that far, and a third die that will unlock special bonuses depending on what mission you're playing. And the challenge of this game is very, very high. Trying to make smart decisions about you know keeping your options open so depending on where you go, you're always happy with the results. Um, using your sailors, which are a limited resource to change the value of the dice. Upgrading your sailors to heroic sailors so they can um, give you more control of the dice, but then they can also be used for other things. Trying to visit all the different islands that will give you different types of point scoring opportunities. And again, every map. So far, if you... Um, for, again, four pounds, subscribe to this. They have released um, four unique maps so far, and they plan to keep doing it. This is one of the best deals in all of Board Game Dumb. I have now played three of the four. Ruel and I um, played our first game of the uh, first map uh, live as an RVR show earlier this month, and then Jen and I spent uh, the next couple of nights playing them um, on our couch in the evening before we started watching shows because this is a roll and write with just three dice. And Now, it does require you to print the stuff out yourself. Although the interesting thing is the developers have put together a video you can find on BoardGameGeek that says, hey, if you don't want to print these out, here are some digital alternatives you can use if you have a a laptop or an iPad or an Android device that will let you basically turn these into little um, digital roll-and-write games. But me... 
I have every intention of, of going down to the local Kinkos. They don't have Kinkos anymore. The local FedEx office now, printing all multiples of all the maps out, getting them laminated, and keeping this game because it is fantastic. It gave me real on-tour vibes, and on-tour is one of the greatest rolling rights of all time, and Jen agreed she was really excited and had a blast. So did Ruel when he and I played this live. Uh, you can actually uh, go watch, and if you pay the four pounds to download, you can see if you can beat Ruel's and my score with the run-through that we did um, with the RVR. Great, fun game, really atmospheric, and so much variety with every new map that they are releasing. We are both, or all of us, are very, very impressed by number eight of the month, Voyages. But then we move on to number seven, Maracaibo Uprising. Another game about sailing in the Spanish main. And here's the thing. I mean, I covered Maracaibo quite a while ago. Uprising was a very exciting expansion for me because it does a bunch of stuff. It gives you a whole new storyline to play through, which personally I appreciate, I love. Um, but more importantly, it gives you the option to play Maracaibo as a cooperative game. And April was really interesting. There were three games Jen and I played that are traditionally very well received, very um, highly respected, very popular, big sellers that are only competitive. And all three of these got co-op modules. And so, even though of these three games, Maracaibo is my personal high risk. Maracaibo is in my top 20 games of all time. I love it to pieces. But it was my least favorite of these three. Hey, let's make a great um, competitive Euro into a co-op. And don't get me wrong. Jen and I really enjoyed it as a co-op. I think it does a really great job of giving you an automated player that both players are working as a team to beat. Um, and it does a lot of other stuff, too. I mean, what impressed me most about the game is um, the developer's willingness to address the concerns that a lot of people brought up with the original game about how, hey, the, the fantasy role we are playing in this game is one of a, a supporter of the colonizers of the Caribbean. And maybe we don't want to do that. Maybe um, that's not a really fun fantasy to um, portray, to be working for the English and the Spanish and the, and the um, French to just maintain the status quo of colonization. And so um, we were... Hold on a second, folks. My phone is ringing. How exciting. I'm doing this live. And hi, everybody. I've got to take... I don't know what this is. I really should have looked. Ugh, it was a junk mail. I should have looked before. I, I mean, I heard it. I should have just looked. Okay, I don't need to answer. Crap, crap, crap. Alrighty. Hold on a second. But anyway... Since I've stopped for a second, let's go on ahead and see what's going on. Everybody doing okay? How's everybody out there? I'm certainly very thirsty. Um, so let's see here. Old Man Kosher, the stream stopped and you had to refresh. I don't know what's going on with that. I have noticed uh, when I... I did, did anybody, when I was doing the games that I haven't filmed run-throughs for, like uh, Animalia... That um, So I just had bitmaps. Were you seeing the screen flash? Because I was seeing the screen flash in my preview page. And I don't know if that's my computer or or what's going on with that. I don't know if that's something different than what was happening to you. Um, let's see here. Bing loves trick-taking. Oh, well then, those were both excellent trick-taking games. They didn't work for us for the reasons I explained. But I was really impressed by both of them. Voyages is great. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk about the new ship boards. You're right. Let's see here. It looks like everything's going fine. Uh, looks like I'm holding on. All right. All right. Need to watch Kimberly's final girl run through. Yep. Uh, she did a great job 
She really went so far above and beyond telling... She tells the story the game tells, but then she embellishes it to make it come to life. And that's something I do all the time in real life. I was very, very um, impressed. Oh, I see people started listing things that happened in April, and I knew I should not have opened that chest. I'm not even going to look. I still say April is a great month. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Maybe not the greatest month after all, but uh, let's... uh, uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Goblin says you weren't seeing the screen flash, just lagging. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Uh, All right. (laughs) Okay. So, where was I? Oh, okay. I can just hear him saying, okay. um, Let's see if they left a message. Do, do, do. The automated message thing. Um... Yeah, that was nothing. I should have just kept going. I was in the zone. Now i got to find the zone again. All right, which means i got to get back to the browser view. And, uh... Is that right? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Have I, did I have the wrong view the whole time? Have you had this view the whole time, folks? I bet you have. I went out of my way to set up this nice-looking view with everything bordered with this nice brown border, and I bet I pushed this, didn't I? So you could see all the tabs up there. Oh! Oh, that makes me so sad. Oh, that makes me so very sad. Did I mess that up? Have you been watching this view the entire time where you could see me t- uh, you know, switching between the tabs? Or have you been watching... This view, where it's the whole screen and it looks nicer. Um, well, it doesn't matter. Oh, I guess... Yeah. No, I can't rewind because we're still live. Oh, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. It's fixed now. Oh, man. I didn't notice the tabs until you just said it. Okay, so maybe I, I did actually put myself on the correct view. Hopefully I did. Okay, so it looks like people didn't notice. So, yeah, I basically, I've got two thing, two scenes right next to each other. They're both for the browser, but this is the one that's zoomed in that gets rid of all the extemporaneous stuff. So, with like, you know, just this like, kind of gray border around it. It is what it is. I, I sweat over all these little details that the vast majority of the audience doesn't care about anyway. So, I can just let it go. Um, I can hold it. I don't have to hold it back anymore. So, uh, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. All right, let's continue. So, I just soon. All right, okay, I was just in the middle of talking about Maracaibo. All right, let's put another marker. Okay, folks, it was a junk call, unfortunately, so let's get back to it. What was I just saying? Oh, I'm really impressed with how the developers took on board all the feedback they got from folks. They were unhappy with the thematic assumptions of the original game, and so they've addressed it. Because in the Uprising expansion, the story is no longer about maintaining the status quo of uh, the Spanish main and European control over everything, but instead uh, helping the local indigenous people throw off the yoke of oppression. They are uprising, and it's our job, depending on which mode you play, to instead of help fight with the uh, you know alongside the English, the Spanish, and the French to fight against them and kick them out, and I loved that. I was mostly excited going in, uh, expecting to really love the cooperative play, and I do like the cooperative play. But whether you're playing cooperatively or competitively, you have the opportunity now to basically seed the board with all the cubes that represent the um, you know the colonizing powers, and much like the virus cubes in Pandemic, work to get them off the board and send them packing and bring freedom to the Caribbean. And 
Aside from the fact that it, that is just, in gameplay terms, a much more interesting and engaging story. Helping a David and Goliath type fight and, and persevering. But it's so much more satisfying to clean things up. The physical um, you know elements of picking things up and returning them or converting them into points and all that is just more fun. The game is um, better. It is a more fun gameplay experience with these changes. So I have to say, I was so impressed with the developers willing to, I mean, not dismissing concerns, but instead trying to work with uh, the game community to make it a more inclusive and inviting game, to make it a uh, more engaging narrative for the game, and also to make it more fun at the same time. That is a win-win-win. So, um, back to what I said. The one complaint I had about the cooperative nature is there's no real direct connection between players. We never actually... There's no mechanism to say, hey, if we both go to the same port, we can trade items or stuff like that. And I would have wished to see something like that. Because if you're playing in the cooperative mode, which, again, we really enjoyed, you're pretty much playing a multiplayer solitaire game where we all have one common goal. And I think they could have done a little bit more there. But I'm so impressed by everything else they did that I absolutely adore number seven on the list for the month, Maracaibo Uprising. Then we move on to number six, a uh, paid preview that I did for Citrus, which is uh, very interesting because this is a Blade Runner, cyberpunk-esque, you know, William Gibson uh, style uh, world that is a Euro. This type of game is normally not a Euro economic goods conversion type thing. These are normally games with lots of combat, lots of uh, narrative, RPG, storytelling stuff, but not this time. This time, this is a game where we live in this world, and we are trying to gather the resources we need to convert them into victory points uh, by fulfilling recipes. Doing standard Euro-y type stuff that I tend to love, but in a uh, in a world that we don't normally see it in. So right off the bat, that was really great. But what really impressed me about Citrus was... Um, a, a bunch of really interesting mixes from different ideas from different games. Uh, one of them is the, uh, what do you call it? This central, the tree from Everdell, which is largely a gimmick to have a really great Chesil presence, returns here because there is a floating city, Citrus, uh, that everybody's trying to get to. But it's three levels huge, and each level has different functions, so it actually gets worked in as gameplay. This is a worker placement game that's pretty straightforward with the worker placement, but what you're doing with the worker placement is trying to develop your character. Um, because everybody has a, a particular person they're playing in this world, and and there are these missions you can go on. And when you complete these missions, your character becomes better either at, you know, getting basically government subsidies, you know, getting passive income every round, or um, being able to piggyback off other players like Race for the Galaxy and getting things when other players do certain actions. Or you could focus on developing your character to get discounts on certain actions you might want to do. Or you could focus on developing your character to be able to have more mercantile stuff so you can do goods conversions at a much higher rate. And in other RPG adventure style games, oh, all of the ways I develop my character are usually better ways to kill things. Um, but in this game, it's better ways to do basic commerce. And so I love that. Uh, that you know, there's this RPG-esque um, leveling up character development system in a Euro style game, in a uh, world that we don't normally see. 
But there's other things too. And probably, I could talk about a lot of features of this game. You can watch my run through to see more. The most impressive thing is the area control. Because every time we do one of these missions that allows us to level our character up so we can do more stuff later, there are other things about these missions we earn. They, um, there's a set collection element where we're trying to do certain types of missions to get bonuses. We're trying to do missions to get certain factions to get bonuses. We're trying to do missions for other factions to get bonuses. So we've got these three different levels of set collection, but they all play out on this area control hex grid, where whenever we do a mission, we mark on the, the hex of the, the grid of the city, where did we do that mission? And that is an area control game that is very interesting, because um, over the course of the game, we will spend the resources we're gathering to build these tubes, these towers, that will get us up to the floating city, where we will get big, huge points, which is awesome. But to do that, we have to pull our cubes off of the grid and put the tower where our cube was. And once the tower has been built, so I could send somebody up to the Cloud City, um, then the tower remains and it becomes a thing that people fight over with area control. And because to build that tower, I had to remove my workers from the board to make the tower, I have reduced my area control of that. So chances are, I have made it easier for other players to get the points off of the work I did so that I could ascend up to Citrus. And I have never seen an area control game do this, where we're fighting for area dominance to score points. But the things we're actually fighting over with, you know, um, you know, area majority stuff only come about if we remove our workers from the board. So we make ourselves weaker to put the point scoring opportunities on the board that other people or us can then fight for. And that's a really cool system that is very, very fresh and unique. So Citrus has a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Very impressive. First time design. Um, you know, it has kind of vibes of Wingspan, of Lords of Waterdeep, and then it does a whole bunch of really cool new stuff I've never seen before as well. I was very impressed with number six, Citrus. But then we move on to number five, um, Concordia Solitaria. Now, this is the second game of the month I'm talking about that takes a classic, well-loved uh, Euro-style masterpiece from Mackerts, Concordia, and turns it into either a solo game or a two-player cooperative game. I played the solo game last year when it was in, a, in early prototype form and was really impressed. But this month, I got to play it as a two-player co-op with Jen, and I loved it to pieces. It's still the same great super tense Concordia gameplay of trying to grab cards that are there again there's a set collection element for in-game scoring but we need these cards as a hand management thing to spread our dominance control across the uh, Roman Empire and set up colonies and then we have to harvest those colonies to get the resources to be able to buy more cards or to build more colonies and you know just ex expand our influence throughout the game and you know Concordia has always been one of the true modern greats but it is a competitive race game. Now, it can be a cooperative for two-player game because what happens is all the cards of the original game have been replaced with new cards that do the same stuff. There's still the the senators and the, the prefects and all that that let us do all our normal actions. But now, on these new versions of the cards, each card lists what the opponent does. We have an opponent called Contrarius, and we have to work together to beat Contrarius. You take an average of our combined scores and it has to beat Contrarius' score. And what does Contrarius do? This is not a complex Automa AI system. This is a system where when I play a card, I know what I'm going to do. And by the way, 
you get to do the same thing. Every card I choose to play, my um, you, my teammate, get to do as well. This is basically borrowed from the team game that was introduced in Concordia... Um, was it Concordia Salsa? No, Concordia Venus introduced this really wonderful team play, and now it's been turned into two-player cooperative play. But after... if So if I play my Prefect, I get to do my uh, Prefect action, you get to do it, and then we look at the card, and Contrarius does something completely different. And Contrarius, every time we do something, we're deciding what we get to do, but um, what I do, what my teammate does, and what our combined opponent does. And that is such a simple, elegant, and brilliant puzzle. Both Jen and I were very impressed. And... Unlike Maracaibo, which you know featured no real interplay between us, we were just playing our own games, here we are mostly still playing our own game. But the fact that when I play a card, I'm letting you do something. So we have to coordinate. Every time I play a card, it's really important I pay attention to what your needs are because I'm going to let you do stuff as well. But also, we get to share our money. We get to pool our resources. So if you're ever a little broke, that's okay. I've got some extra cash. I'll hand it over to you. This is what that kind of direct, just reaching out and touching and interacting with somebody is what I was missing in Maracaibo, and Concordia Solitaria delivers on every front. Concordia was always fantastic. And the interesting thing is, this Solitaria set of rules works for every expansion, every map that has ever come out for Concordia to date. So it's absolutely awesome. It's my number five of the month, Concordia Solitaria. Then we move on to number um, four of the month, a wonderful roll and write called Three sisters. And um, yeah, this is basically um, the. Uh, oh, what was it? Your roller rights have been around. Well, Rolling Rights have been around since, what, the 50s? Ever since Yahtzee? But Rolling Rights have been going through a huge explosion of popularity over the last few years. And um, we've been seeing all kinds of takes on them. But one of the most outstanding ones, it came out almost half a decade ago now, I think, was Fleet the Dice Game. Because it was the first one to introduce the idea of, hey, how about a Rolling Right that has so much stuff going on, you each player needs two sheets to keep track of all the things you could do. And you know, since then, we've seen other games do this. Um, like Hadrian's Wall, for example. But this is from the same design as Fleet the Dice Game. And I would say, to date, this Roll and Write has more potential in it for huge, incredibly explosive strings of combo gameplay, more so than anything else. Ever since Gone Shown Clever came out and won, didn't win the Spiel des Jahres, and really opened up the eyes of the industry to say, you know what? what's great in a roll and write? Amazing strings of combo moves. I do this one thing that unlocks that, that beep, pop, beep, pop, pop, pop. that's what Gone Shown Clever, or That's So Clever, did. Um, you know, uh, Three Sisters says, hold my beer. I'm going to take that to an extent we've never seen it before. And um, it's so... In, in fact, this game gets so rich and complex with all the different strings of combos you can unlock as the game goes on in what is, you know, on its surface, a, a really cool, simple, straightforward dice drafting game where every round... I'm going to grab a die. There's a certain number of dice rolled. I'm going to grab a die to do an action. You're going to grab to do a die to do an action. Um, and uh, then there's a die left over that everybody gets to do. You know, it's, it's that kind of structure. We've seen this, gosh, we've seen this in uh, Lagranha, that approach. Uh, so every round, players are already going to get to do a bunch of actions with the dice that they get access to. But those actions can start creating such huge, big strings of, oh, because you know, of cause and effect change. 
Marines. So much so, this is the first time I've seen a roll and write that devotes a certain portion of your board to a journal. It's called the journal. Because sometimes you unlock so many bonus actions that you can't keep track of it all. And so you literally have to start taking notes. Right, I gotta make sure I got, okay, I got a wild card action. I got another wild card action. Okay, and then I've got another watering action. Okay, I'll do this watering action. Oh, and that unlocked two actions. Okay, make notes of those. Okay, now I'm gonna do my first wild card action. All right, and now I'll do my second. Oh, and that gave me two more actions. You literally have to take notes because this game gets so big and rich and complex as it goes. And I was blown away by it. I think it's fantastic. I love it to bits. For my wife, she thought it was too much of a good thing. Um, she's like, okay, you, you know what? I loved Gonshon Clever, and I loved Hadrian's Wall, and I loved Fleet the Dice Game, and I love um, you know nice, really combo strings, but for her, it was just a little bit too much. Um, this could have probably made my um, personal... I'm, I'm dro- knocking it down a couple levels, because for Jen, it was just... it was. Too much of a good thing is what she kept saying. It's like, ah, I, it's, it's, you know, a, a game where I literally, it's so big, I have to literally take notes to myself was more than she wanted. But me, I, it turns out I love that. And I would love to see more of it. I was super impressed over the moon by number four, three sisters. But then we move on to number three, Hacktivity, which was a uh, another paid Kickstarter preview, and this is another cooperative game. Oh, April was a great month for co-op. I uh, have played more game co-op games this month than I have in a long time, and I'm loving it because co-op is my favorite. So, what has Hacktivity got going on? Um, well. This is a game that's actually going to be launching on Kickstarter next month in May. Or maybe it was on GameFound. It's going to be crowdfunding in May, so you can keep an eye out for it. But at its heart, this is an imperfect communication co-op. My favorite thing in the world. Ever since Hanabi came out and introduced us to that idea where, okay, I'm going to do this thing, and I hope you figure out what I'm, why I'm doing this, um, and you can make the right choice, and we really have to get in sync with the other player and um, you'll make informed decisions based on what you've seen them do. I love imperfect communication, and the way it works here is, at the beginning of it, we are in cyberspace, um, fighting viruses, you know, and um, each of us is a hacker with our own special powers and our own unique deck of cards. And there is another deck of cards that's built as part of setup that represents the viruses we're trying to kill. And Every round, at the beginning of the game, all players draw a certain number of cards. At the beginning, everybody draws three cards. It speed, the game speeds up as it goes on, starting to draw four or five cards every round. But what you do is, I can draw as many cards as I want from my deck and from the virus deck. And then, I have to resolve all of those cards. And at the same time, I'm making that decision. Right, how many evil um, cards that are trying to kill us am I going to draw versus how many cards am I going to draw that are going to save us? And I have to... I mean, I can just... Wow, I, we're both almost dead. I just need to draw nothing but good cards. And you're like... Like, but if, if I do that, then we're not making progress through the virus deck. And if we run out of cards before the virus deck runs out, we're pretty much doomed. But there are all kinds of doom meters in this game. We can run out of time if we take too long. There's a ticking time bomb that could explode on us. We can simply run out of cards. We can get, um, you know, our firewalls can collapse. So we get our brains fried. So there's all kinds of ways we could lose. Only one way we can win. We got to empty out the virus deck before time runs out. And so we are heavily incentivized to draw as many cards from that virus deck every round as we can. But as you might imagine, if we every card we draw from the virus deck, you have a choice. You can either absorb all the damage it's going to do to you and, and hit us in a lot of different ways, or you can put it up in this kind of communal deck, uh, or th- this display where you can have up to three or four at a higher player count cards that we are slowly whittling down. So it's a bird in the hand, two in the bush. I could just say, hey, I'm going to kill this virus right now, and it's going to beat the crap out of me, but I'll survive. 
or this virus would kill me right now, or it would it would put our timer over the edge and we can't afford to do it. So I'll put it up on the slow boat, and now we have to spend the next few rounds fighting it with all the other cards we've got. And that's an implicitly interesting decision. But it gets so much more interesting deciding how many good cards versus how many bad cards do I take when you're making the same decision at the same time, and we cannot talk about what um you know uh, you know what we've got. Um, and it's absolutely brilliant. Jen and I were both incredibly impressed. We were very impressed by the production value. Definitely, when it goes live on crowdfunding, check it out. My prototype had um, built-in plexiglass boards literally screwed onto the board so all the cubes would stay in place and wouldn't get shelled around. Very, very nice. Really great appeal. Uh, yeah, the, the art was great. The uh, graphic design was great. Jen was a little pushed off because there's no text. Everything, every effect is from a big smorgasbord of icons, so some people might be taken back by that, but I didn't find it to be too problematic. And um, yeah, the cooperative nature of this game, it is very... Uh, you are very lockstep worrying every step of your way because so many of your effects can affect everybody. A lot of them can only affect me, but a lot of them can affect me and you or can affect multiple viruses or just one virus. And once we've drawn our cards and we can't say what's in our hands and we have to decide because one, you know, once you've got our hand of cards, I've got my four, you've got your four, then we have to take turns playing cards. And we can play one or two cards, but we must play cards. And often, if I play this card right now, we lose. So I need to play this other card first. But before I can play that, you're first. You've got to play a card. And whatever you do, do not play a card to put anything in that space because I need that space to stay open. I can't tell you why. Um, and so you'll do something and then I'll put that... And you're like, oh! I have a way to counter that card. And so now what you were planning on doing is going to be completely different. This is a game every round is a voyage of discovery as we're trying to figure out without being able to talk about right. I mean, I, I can heal us. I can't say how much I can heal us. Don't worry. If you think you're going to hurt, as long as it doesn't kill you, I'll be able to heal you on my turn. And you're like, okay, fine. And you take care you're like, ah, I didn't think you were going to get hurt that much. I can only heal you for one. It's not that, you know... That kind of, of uh, imperfect communication that requires us to constantly change on the fly what our plans are is just delicious. I love it in so many games. I love it in Gloomhaven. I love it in Hanabi. I love it in our number three of the month, Hacktivity. Okay, then we move on, folks, to number two. We've got Viticulture World, which is the third game. I promised there were going to be three popular, classic, well-loved games that have been around for quite a while, that have always been competitive games, that now, with expansions, have been turned into co-op. And of Maracaibo, Concordia, and Viticulture, I think Viticulture World does it the best. Um, because And it's just so many interesting things. Once again, like the other two games, it um, gives us, uh, you know, we're still playing the game as it has always existed. If you like how Viticulture plays, it still plays like Viticulture. You still make all the same types of decisions, doing worker placement with your regular and your grande workers, you know, trying to build up your wine-making infrastructure, trying to invest in resources, trying to pick who is going to be first at the every round and what kind of bonuses you're getting. All the Viticulture biggest hits and, and and most importantly, those powerful visitor cards for the summer and the winter. Getting them and trying to find the best time to use them. All that stuff is still there. It all works fantastically. But um, we have now been given, in addition to a, every, uh, we have a group goal. Everybody has to score 25 points before the end of the game. Unlike regular viticulture, where if I recall correctly, it's a race to 30 points. So um, that still feels pretty much the same. We still got to score points the same way. But we have a communal renown board, or a score that we have to reach of 10 as well. And the only way 
by default to make that renown climb is by spending eight coins. So depending on the player difficulty, you might have to pay up to 80 coins over the course of the game. And that would bankrupt anybody. So you're constantly on the lookout for other ways you can make that renown rise while still playing a game of viticulture. And um, so... It's still great viticulture, and there's um, the interaction between players, which, like I said, was missing in Maracaibo. Uh, Concordia did it one way, but I think viticulture did it in the most fun way because if I put my worker out on a space, like giving a tour, and then you put your grande worker on that same space, we can engage in trade. I can give you a combination of things, you can give me a combination of things, and that's so crucial to winning this game. Um, And it really gets you so in lockstep because what will often happen is... Um, you know, I'm going to be really good at growing the grapes, but I don't have a medium seller. So we need to meet up so that before these grapes age anymore, because they're just going to be wasted on me because I don't have a medium seller, I need to get these grapes to you. Um, but what do you have to give me? Can you give me some cash? Okay. Well, okay. So if we agree that we're going to meet up on the harvest field in the winter, that's when we can do this swap before the end of the year. And there's so much intricate planning between players. In fact, I mean, some people might view it as a weakness, but Jen, I found we really love the fact that at the beginning of a year, Uh, And the game plays over six years, six rounds. A new event comes out, and then you can plan out everything you want to do in that year. And that's what Jen and I do. Okay, we're going to meet here on this one, and then we can work backwards on this. And it's so satisfying. It's so much fun. Now, you you can't always plan everything out because, of course, there's going to be surprises like what cards you draw, and you know. So there's still going to be um, you know things that come along, but. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Jen and I could not get enough of this, especially because in the box, there are seven different modules, seven different ways you could play this cooperatively. You could play it with unique player powers. You could play it with unique objectives. You could play it with multi-use cards. You could play it with tech trees. Um, and so there's so much variety built into this. I'm absolutely blown away, which is why Viticulture World comes in at number two of the month. But... There's one more, folks. And we're just going to take a break, because I just heard a raid! Sorry, folks, I'm in the middle of recording a show, Master Goblin Games! Thank you for the raid! Hey, everybody! Stick around! I am in the middle, right now, of recording my monthly, um... What do you call it? My monthly roundup, where I just I do a countdown of all the games I played. You just heard my number two. I'm about to reveal my number one game of the month. After I'm done with that, I'm done recording the show, I'm going to stick around and do some Q&A with the audience. So, if you have any questions for me, please, I would love to answer them. I'll stick around for a while. And um, so, what you need to do is... In the uh, start, make your comment with a question mark at the beginning of the question, because that'll go into a queue. And after I'm done filming, which I'm now going to finish, I'm going to talk about my game of the month, and then we're done. I'll start doing some Q and A. So ask me anything, anything about games, about personal life, about the channel, about Maggie and Amy, whatever. And we'll have some Q and A afterwards, right after I finish the show, right after I have a sip of water. This is empty. The straw can't reach. Hmm. I am going to be parched very soon, but that's okay. Let me get back to it. We're almost done. Okay. All right, so. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Right. 
Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Okay. It's welcome to the moon. I gotta say, folks, I was excited about this game because I already like Welcome To a lot. Uh, Welcome To is a very well-loved flip and write where players are, um, you know, uh, basically looking for combos of sets of cards that allow them to build the ideal French suburb. And I'm always looking for points, scoring opportunities. It's a great roll and write. It's gotten a lot of expansions that really mix things up. And, um, you know, and spinoffs like Welcome to Las Vegas and whatnot. But Welcome to the Moon, the newest version of it, just, as far as I'm concerned, obliterates everything that's come before. In fact, I'm going to get rid of my Welcome to, plus all the expansion content I got. Because Welcome to the Moon, um, well, one, it totally changes the setting. We are no longer in the suburbs. We are actually going through an eight-chapter storyline trying to save humanity by colonizing the moon. And so this game comes with eight different um, player sheets. And each one of the player sheets works with the classic Welcome To gameplay where every round there are three sets of cards, a number and a power, and you've got to pick one of those sets. So, oh, I really want to put a number three over here, but I don't want to use that power. I want to use that power, but that's a that's a seven, and I don't need a seven. I can't even play that seven. How am I going to make that choice? It's always been wonderful and very well done, but now it's deeper than ever before because each one of these eight new player sheets, one of them is loading up the rocket to go to the moon. One of them is plotting the path to the moon. One of them is building our first outpost on the moon. One of them is doing mining on the moon. One of them is doing research on the moon. There's all kinds of stuff. And each one of these different chapters changes, or I shouldn't say changes, adds really cool new twists. Some of them are totally mind-blowing. Some of them still feel like, oh, this is 85% welcome too with these extra little bits. And all of them, Jen and I have played five of the eight missions so far, and we have been impressed by all of them. And if all that weren't enough, you could just, hey, I'll just pick a mission and play, just have some fun. Or the game comes with like a big, deep storybook with branching storylines based on the choices you make during play, uh, so you can play through an actual narrative campaign as well. They didn't have to throw that in. They already threw so much in with the um, reusable player boards, eight completely different um, alternate takes on Welcome To that so far, we've been very impressed by all of them. And again, the Welcome To gameplay has always been phenomenal. This is probably one of the most well-loved roll and rights or flip and fill flipping rights out there and welcome to the moon just takes everything to 11 my only warning if in case you want to seek it out is the first mission where you're loading up your rocket the rules are written very badly for that mission go download the faq from the publishers because the first time i tried to play the first mission it was a nightmare with the rules as written but it actually plays fun once you read the faq but uh, that's really my only complaint because otherwise everything about this game is stellar uh it's to the moon it's welcome to the moon, and it is my game of the month. And that's it, folks. Phew! Like I said, right up front, April was a very, very good month. Some might say the best month. I listed out all these big milestones. Um, And, uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, Considering the fact that April was the month of my 10th anniversary of filming the show, it makes me so happy that I got to play so much great cooperative fun stuff. Jen and I had a blast, but you know what, folks? 
uh, there's no rest for the weary. We're going to be back next month. Me and Shay and Kim and Amy and Maggie and Ruel and Ryan. The team is bigger than ever before. And we're hoping to just continue to bring you all the latest, greatest, uh, and sometimes old classics too uh, as uh, Rado Run Through continues for the next 10 years uh, to infinity and beyond. And if you want to know what's coming, folks, as always, you can hit that eye in the top right corner screen or follow the links down in the show notes to go to comingsoon.rado.com and uh, we'll see what May has in store for us. But with that out of the way, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's gone on this journey with me. Thanks to everybody who has joined the show over the last year and has just made my life so much better and the channel so much better. And also, of course, thanks to sponsor of the show, Fun Again Games. Have a very, very nice day, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, Bye-bye. And we're out. We are out. That's it. Okay, folks. Hello. Hi. I don't know if any of the Raiders stuck around, but um, if so, I can do some Q&A stuff now. First of all, let me close all of that stuff. Probably shouldn't do that. I'm probably going to regret that, but let's see. Have any questions come in? Okay, a few, a few. So maybe this will be a very quick Q&A. That's okay. Or perhaps um, some other questions will come up from these. Let's see here. Um... Do, 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 do. All righty. So right off the bat, Bing413 asks, if I don't have any welcome to, what should I get? Typically play solo or with my daughters. I would, I mean, it's the only reason not to go straight to welcome to the moon, quite frankly, is if you are not interested in the subject matter of an eight chapter storyline of going to the moon, colonizing the moon, and, and basically doing, um, you know, speculative science fiction stuff. If, if, you, if you and your daughters have any interest in that, it's, it is a true one-stop shop. It's absolutely fantastic. It's better than anything that's come before. I've played a lot of different variations of Welcome To, and this supplants all of them. If your daughters are not interested in that, then I would honestly... I would probably go to Welcome To. And Welcome To, it's interesting... Um, has had several different very like mini expansions that basically are just like new sheets of paper where there's like thematic things that will change up the core game in small ways and I suspect your your daughters might like the ones that are tied to holidays like there's one for Halloween I think there's one for Easter where Easter eggs start showing up there's one for Christmas so you can add that base game plus a couple of those thematic trappings I think would you'd probably find something for everybody but again if they like the idea of going to the moon then it's welcome to the moon as far as I'm concerned all righty Next up, Goblin asked, did we settle on a look at the chat sticker? Probably won't need it today. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, Actually, Goblin, I think everything went okay. And in fact, I mean, I'm very happy that my audio did not crap out at any time throughout, so I didn't have to hear. But for folks who are, sometimes, if while I'm filming, if something goes terribly, terribly wrong, uh, longtime viewers of the show know that they can get my attention by using the stickers down below. You can see there's a whole bunch of stickers. If you want to applaud or you want to tell me I'm wrong, um, I recently made all those stickers free so help yourself uh if you want to pretend you're owen wilson or whatever but don't use the bomb because that's the one people use to warn me when my audios come out and um we still need to officially come up with one that warns me the chat's trying to tell me something really important and they need to get my attention i think the hey listen is probably the one that we would want to do okay what just happened Rogue Calypso, thank you for subscribing with Prime this very minute. We are getting closer to an RVR, thanks to you. Um, let's see. Actually, I should do. Did anybody subscribe? Or um, nope. Okay, looks like while I was filming. So, oh, Master Goblin Games. 
Also, thank you for subscribing. Folks, by the way, every subscriber gets us closer to unlocking an RVR where Rel and I will go up against you. We always try to find games where the audience can participate. Uh, every follower gets us closer to unlocking a top 10 where I will work with the audience to come up with the top 10. And this episode, uh, we got enough bits to unlock a bonus run-through, which I'll be filming live next month. Yay! Thank you, Dragons. Anyway, though. Um, so, yeah. If there's something... Where, 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 where are you? I come back over here and I go down to the stickers. I think if they're during a live playthrough and I can't hear what uh, I am missing the chat and there's something really important the chat's trying to say, people can just start, hey, listen. I think that's the one. It doesn't cost anything. You can just throw that at me over and over again. And like, oh, crap. They want me to listen. And I'll look over and I can see in the chat whatever the problem is. Like, video has dropped out or you know we forgot and we're, we're looking at the wrong scene or whatever so uh that's there um or if you want you can just go on ahead and fart too uh, right over my mouth as it happened anyway though so uh back to the questions let's see here okay don says have i seen the announcement about phil walker harding's new publishing company how exciting is that that is very exciting I had no idea. I've got to get this fart out of my mouth. It will eventually go away. Uh, the stickers do eventually disappear. Oh, that was perfectly positioned. Um, no, I don't know anything what you're talking about, Don. Let's take a look. Um, let's see. Phil Walker Harding, new publishing uh, company. I am looking. Phil Walker Harding, first of all, I didn't know this. He has his own webpage that he maintains. And I'm looking at it. And I don't see him mentioning this anywhere on his own philwalkerharding.com. You'd think that's where he would have mentioned it. So, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about at all. But that is very interesting. I, I, he's a great designer. I've always been very impressed. Um, and so, yeah, more power to him. That's a very bold and brave thing for him to do. Alrighty, next up. Let's see. Goblin asked, how is Viticulture World solo? The current solo rules kind of suck. I'd like to play this more, but that puts me off. Goblin? Goblin, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't you a Patreon backer of the show? As if so, if you back at a high enough level, you can watch. I actually did a full solo run-through of Viticulture World. And, um, you know, it's at the uh, $5 a month recluse level. For folks who back me on Kickstarter for 5 bucks a month, not only do you get to vote on what I play, not only do they unlock all kinds of stuff like screen avatars, not only do they get early sneak peeks of everything before the videos go live, but they every month uh, they get a, a exclusive ramble video and a recluse video where I do a full solo play through or something. And the one I did this month was Viticulture World. I'll tell you, Goblin, in case you haven't seen it, it's great. I think it's really good. And it's really interesting. It's from the Otama factory. And the way it works is you, you're playing solo. You're not having to control multiple people. You, you just have one person. You, you've got to get your points. You've got to get the renown up. You don't have to get as much renown because you're just one player. And you have a teammate, which is a deck of cards. I forget what it's called. Uh, some Italian name is your teammate. But the weird thing about this deck of cards is it's actually... A, a teammate that gets in your way. Because I, every round, um, I draw a card for Futicho or whatever his name is, and it tells me all the places all the places he blocks with his workers so that all of a sudden I can't do those actions unless I use my grande. Or unless I pay valuable resources to move his workers off the board so I can use my regular workers in those spaces. And um, But there are bonuses that come on those cards as well. So every one of these cards, oh, here's the good stuff and here's the bad stuff. And and it, it just creates this... Real, it, it, it recreates the competitive feel of the game um, because it's like a competitive game where... 
it's really just me competing, trying to get this score before time runs out. And I've got this teammate who's constantly in my way. And like, you're blocking all the spaces I need. So how am I going to get around that? Am I going to pay extra to get them out of the way? Am I going to use my grande? Or am I going to wait until he gets out of the way? And that replicates the feel of a competitive game where the other player... I was going to give a tour. Why did you could have picked any space for that? Why did you go there? And so it's really interesting. It it doesn't feel like the co-op game as much, although all the really cool co-op stuff is still there of you know being able to reprogram the map and all the different modules. I was really impressed. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was very good. My only complaint about it, and you know now I think about it, I should have mentioned it in the roundup I just did is there is no um Oh, that's not true. My only complaint about, I should have mentioned this in Viticulture World, is there's no way to control the difficulty level other than just choose different modules. You can control the difficulty level with the solo mode. So in some ways, the solo mode is even better than the co-op mode. But anyway, yeah, I, I was very impressed by it. And if, again, if you're at the recluse level on the Patreon, you can watch my run-through of it. Alrighty, um, let's see, Bing says, For the 10th anniversary, am I going to rerun my first game LV year or some? You know, I thought about doing that kind of stuff, but... The month's almost over, and no, I'm not doing any kind of fancy silliness. Um, ask ask me what Jen and I did to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Nothing. We didn't even go out to dinner. Um, you know, ask what we did for our 10th um, wedding anniversary. We literally forgot our 10th wedding anniversary, and remember the next day, oh, we were supposed to, you know, Jen and I really, really aren't big on celebrating stuff. You're right. I should totally do that. I should do a run-through of Elvisia. I still have Elvisia. And I should film it today. And so you can see, here's where I started. You know, one of those, uh, where we started and where we are now. You know, that, that meme you see all the time on Twitter where two pictures right next to each other. I should totally do that. But I've only got two days left and I've got other stuff to do. So it's not going to happen. It's a good idea, though. Perhaps on the 25th anniversary. Although, that's not happening. There's no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it that long. All righty. Um, Goblin... Looks like, uh, oh my gosh, folks, we're running out of time. If you got no more questions, that's okay. We'll get out of here early. But right now, Goblin's last question is, 10 years ago, what game would have blown my mind the most and been accessible if it had been available back then? So you're saying what game, you know, because obviously game design has advanced a lot over the last decade. I mean, the industry has changed so radically. I mean, it's so different than um, you know when I when I first got in, and it was we were still at the tail end of uh, publishers not really caring about two couples gamers or you know barely doing anything. Co-op wasn't a thing. You know, obviously Kickstarter has changed everything as well. There's so many cool new advances in game design that have come up. But ten years ago, what game would have blown my mind the most and been accessible? I think, you know, oops, what's it? Um, Tom Vassell and I, uh, two years ago, I guess, at 2020, we did a top 10 most influential games of the last decade. You can find it on Dice Tower. Do a search for Dice Tower, Rotto, top 10 influential. You'll find this thing. We did it. Um, and you know, it was us saying what were the most influential games that introduced new ideas in either in publishing or design or production or whatever. I do not remember what my number one was. I'd probably say whatever my number one game was. But the first thing that pops in my head, and maybe it's because I just talked about it a lot in this month's, um, is, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, uh, Imperfect Communication Co-op. It has fast become my favorite thing. A co-op game, I mean, co-op games, if they don't have some kind of random confuzzler, they just become very rote affairs. We're okay, we're just going to do all these things. We need some kind of randomness. And you know, most of the time, most co-op games bring that in the form of an event deck. That's what Viticulture World does. Uh, um, but for, as an example, does 
Now that I think about this, can Cordia Solitaria have any randomness to it whatsoever? Oh, it has randomness die rolls because you don't know exactly where Contrarius, what what cities Contrarius is going to move into because he chooses with a with a die. And um, you know, so most of the time they do this, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that kind of randomness to keep it from all just being you know completely, um, you know, preordained, and you can, oh, you can just math everything out. You need that kind of randomness, and that's fine when it comes from the game. But I think it's so much more interesting when that randomness comes from your teammates who ostensibly are on the same side as you. And we should all be doing the same thing. But because they can't come right out and say what um, you know what they've got in their hand or what their plans are, because there are rules. We can speak in clues or we can't. We can only speak during certain phases or whatever it might be. A lot of different games do this very differently, but it's fast becoming a thing. I just talked about a few of them in this episode that we played over the last month. And honestly, if you talk about 10 years ago, Pandemic brought me into the industry. And at the time, there was very little otherwise that was co-op. And so Pandemic defined everything. And here's the interesting thing. Almost 10 years ago, Hanabi was out there. It just hadn't really been discovered yet. But Hanabi, I listed as one of the most influential games of the last 10 years. Because it may not have been the first one to have imperfect communication cooperation, but it was certainly the one that put it on the map. And if I had seen it, you know, it blew my mind the first time I saw it, and that would have happened no matter when. And if that had come sooner, I think the um, evolution of co-op into our industry might have gone a very different way. So I would have loved to have seen something like that. So that's the first thing that pops into my head. But if you want more ideas, like I said, literally, just go find that um, Rado Dice Tower, Top 10 Influential Games. Any of those games I talk about, chances are, um, would fit that criterion. And, um, wow, that was it. Okay, no more questions. Is that right? Yep. Alrighty. Then, I guess, we are done, folks. And so, all that's left to do is raid, raid, raid. So, let me go on ahead. And hey, there's Rainer. What you up to, Rainer? He is doing... Oh, Rainer is continuing his top 100 games of all time. Rainer is a developer at Board and Dice. He's a great guy. He's got great taste in games. I suggest everybody go say hello and see if you can guess what his number 61 is. Greatest game of all time. Because he is about to reveal it to everybody right now. So, um, stick around. Go tell Rainer, hey, tell him Rado sent you. And... Um, and I wonder if his number 61 is going to be a board and dice game. Well, you can go find out, everybody. So, raid! Go, 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 go! And hopefully it's working. And let's see if it does. It looks like we made it. All right. In which case, I am out of here, folks. I uh, will see you next week for the uh, next R&R. And now i got to get to work editing this video into something usable. Talk to you later, everybody. Uh, so long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.